Camp Bounce Podcast. Back at it again. I am Brent Young. And guys, I'm trying to bring the enthusiasm. I'm trying to bring the excitement around noon today. I was like, man, do I still bring that bravado? Do I bring that robust into the opening of the BBP after uh, what was yet another, can we just call it a uh, Cincinnati weekend? Cincinnati sports weekend, if you will. One that, uh, man, Aaron texted me, you know, pinned those BBP mailbag questions. I immediately said, man, it's uh, that, that past weekend was not very fun. But then something happened. <laughs> That's why we love sports. That's why we heart each other. We love, love here on this Valentine's Day special. I love you guys. Aaron, Chad, how are we? Happy Valentine's Day to you too, Brent. You're a beautiful man. <laughs> I'm doing all right. It's it's I'm I'm in Cincinnati, and my heart still hurts. But it's Cincinnati sports, and this is what happens. Um, the only thing I'll say is that this team was about two or three years ahead of schedule playing in this game. True. So we will see what happens with free agency, and they've they've inspired hope in a team that had not a whole lot a couple of years ago. And we're, and we're talking about the Bearcat basketball team, right? I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> Chad, how are we? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm thankful for our friend Justin Williams for saving the city today. Right. So that's a, that's a positive. And, and he will be joining us here once he gets the, uh, the offspring to bed. He will uh, be popping on. That was an in-flight tease, if you will. So, yeah, in uh, flight tease, Justin will be jumping on here uh, when, when he can. Shouldn't be too long. There we go. And that tease, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you, all listeners can guess what it is. Uh, big news, big airways. That that guy named Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle, he, uh, the guy that's over here on my, uh, I guess I got to do my right because of my camera on my right side. This guy over there. Down here. He's gonna yeah. be staying in. Uh, he's gonna be staying in Cincinnati for for a little bit longer, a little bit longer of a time. So uh, we're gonna go. talk about that with uh, with Justin Williams, of course. The doomsday conversation that we already touched on is what happened on Saturday night, and of course they really wanted to do that at eight p.m. to kind of <laughs> just have you sit around all day and think about okay, go, let's go face seven win Tulsa at 8 p.m. in front of hundreds. And then, of course, had that flood right into Super Bowl Sunday and in a game where I'm, I'm sure, you know, I, I went to my hole after, after Sunday night. Um, have not been able to look at much social media. Haven't turned on the TV once, so I'm sure you guys are still in the thick of it there in Cincinnati. Uh, heartbreaking loss, no other way to put it, um, in the Super Bowl, that is, for the Cincinnati Bengals. But... We're going to talk about basketball first. Heartbreak is, uh, I guess, one one way you can use to describe what happened on Saturday night. Uh, 83 to 77. The uh, 7 and 15 Tulsa Golden Hurricane improved to 8 and 15 on the season, picking up their second AAC win. Guys, this was an extremely frustrating game. Um, 
you saw guys for, for Tulsa knock down shots like Darian Jackson, two for two from three. It's not something that he normally does, but, you know, wide open. He wasn't guarded. Right, wide open. You kind of get those get those looks, and all of a sudden everyone's in a groove, and before you know it, you're in a battle, just like this team has been able to put other teams into in battles all year, and you walk out of Tulsa with a very degrading 83-77 to 77 loss. I know you guys have probably talked about it on the nightcap already, but just initial thoughts as you were watching yet and, and hopefully you didn't follow the, some of the timings out there it was a some said seven some said eight hopefully you weren't sitting in front of that espn plus just waiting for it to turn on but uh man that was a as frustrating of a loss as there's been all season yes um, <laughs> i agree I mean, what's what's good there to really podca- say? Good podcast. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, what's there to really say about this game, though? I mean, it was, it was, just I don't know. I I I know they scored. They scored 77 points. They scored 90 the last time they played them. They they scored, but I think yeah. that when you let a Tulsa team that had won seven games going into that game score 83, you're not playing. Bearcat style defense, at least not the Bearcat style of defense that we're accustomed to seeing. And I think that's where the problems lay. I mean, it was defensively, it was an embarrassing effort. And yeah. I don't, I don't use that term. Like I, people throw that around constantly. Ah, that was embarrassing. And, and it's like a, you know, 77 to 75 loss to a top 50 type team. That, that's not embarrassing. This was embarrassing. Yeah. They let Tulsa get whatever the hell Tulsa wanted from opening tip to look. They shot 51% in the first half and their shooting percentage went up in the second half. Like I kept waiting for that stretch where like, okay, the defense locked in like, all right, all right. And it never happened. I know there was one stretch, what from the under eight to the under four, when they cut it, I think it was a 10 and they got it down to a four, I think. Right. And it was like, all right, here we go. And then they cut it to two right when they came back from the break. And next thing you know, it was eight. Bang, bang, bang. Three trips, three buckets. Ball game over. Like it, you, you can't just allow your opponent to, to get whatever the hell they want offensively at the rim more often than not 44 points in the paint like you let four Tulsa players go double digits with a fifth at nine points like good lord it's Tulsa yeah I I mean as we've talked about Tulsa's a bit deceiving just because they've lost a ton but most of them have been within one or two possessions but that's the other thing that's frustrating is everybody else has found a way to force them to put the game pressure on them to fall apart down the stretch. Right. And no. Cincinnati was like, hey, I'm not interested. I, I no mean, thanks. A, a team that also you know, they lost 21 to us uh, at fifth third. They lost by 34 to Tulane. Um, and then as of recent, if you take out the ECU game, they lost by 10 and by nine. So like that, that close margin. They were was trending up. the other direction. Like yeah, they were, they were, tra- yeah, they were starting to go the other way. And there was a lot of fire Frank Haith talk going around their fan base. There was a ton of just, you know, we need better players talk. Just kind of just what 
what you see when a season is starting to crumble. And and I said it in the write-up, and I'm sure these write-ups are getting more and more fun to read as the teams come in with seven wins and oh, just the thrill of dry a horn. And it, yeah, but still, it's it, it's a team that probably viewed this game as a you know this is a statement game for all of us guys who are on scholarship, just like all those guys at Cincinnati are on scholarship. We got punked at Fifth Third Arena in a game where they're actually within shooting distance. Shouting distance, if you will, and through the first half, and then a little bit at the start of the second half, they were within seven, you know, five here and there. And then all of a sudden, Cincinnati blew it out of the water with uh, five straight Mason Mats and threes. But still, I, it, it was a game in this one where, like you said, guys, you make a little run, try and get a comeback. And all of a sudden, Tulsa just doesn't cower. They don't, they don't take a step back. Said they punch back, and they punch back harder than. Cincinnati did coming at him. I, you know, it just. Brent. Seemed, yeah. I forgot. You didn't, you didn't do the read. Yeah. Because I, I was going to get to it by saying, you know, with how poor the defense was, the Bearcats still scored 77 points. And you know what that means? No, you no, know no, that, see, tell me. You know what tell that me. means? $77 off. Your next trip to Danco Transmission when you pay over $100. Golly, I'm sure a lot of people are driving like a little bit of a maniac in, in, in Cincinnati. Their their engines are revving. They're, they're freaking out getting A to B because of just the frustration out there on the uh, sporting events. So, you know, who knows? You probably need to get something fixed. Probably need to head to Danco Transmission, get something checked out. Oil change is also an option. Mention, mention the BBP. Mention BCJ. $10 off an oil change. You know, there's nothing better than struggling through a tough week and then just going and getting your car completely fixed up. Right, guys? $77 off. Makes you feel better. Definitely makes you feel better. Makes you feel at home. Makes you feel good. Aaron, do you, do you need to get your car checked out? No, I'm, I'm good right now, man. Okay. Okay. Well, I, this wasn't even a game. I was trying to lead into, like, a, the wheels came off type situation, but... It wasn't even like that was really the, the wheels were never on. Happened. Yeah, it was just a, it was just like a, I mean, Tulsa looked like a, you know, 15, 17 win team that was just clicking. And I don't know. I, I guess you give a team like that confidence. And I mean, they've got a couple of guys that can score and, and they love that Pritchard guy, by the way. They, they think that he's like, kind of reminds you like a Troy Copain back in his freshman year where you kind of felt as the season wore on that Troy was going to have a big career at Cincinnati. That's kind of what the, the he was really is. good. 10 yeah. assists, man. Yeah, He was really good. Seven points, rebounds, 10 assists, seven rebounds, two mm. blocks. I mean, I mean, they're a solid team, but it, it, it's still the tiger's not happy about it. No, as he shouldn't be. I mean, I, I was just watching and it just was like Tulsa had no fear at any point during that game. And Cincinnati should be the team that goes in and inflicts the fear. And, you know, when they do make these runs, bring it back within two with, you know, a little over four minutes left in the game, that should be when the opposing team is like, oh, gosh, it's happening again. But, I, you know, maybe it was Tulsa answering the call. Maybe it was, you know, obviously a lack of defense. Maybe it was Cincinnati going one for nine after they got it to two points. You know, that could be a part of it as well. Um, <laughs> I think you could throw really anything into 
the cauldron and, and pull out a pretty tasty stew of just not very tasty stew. Um, I, you know, it just, it's, it's tough to stomach and up oh, Chad, you're on mute. You could pull out a tasty stew of not very tasty stew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, brew a tasty stew. It ends up not being tasty because you're expecting one thing and the outcome is different, you know, <laughs> but, uh, if you say I, so, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Chad, you did. It was either. I, I, I think it was Justin, maybe ask Wes in the post game presser and man, you could just, you could sense how frustrated Wes was during that. Um, and rightfully so, obviously, but that stretch four position is starting to give the defense of Cincinnati some fits uh, because, you know, Jeremiah is is a great offensive player, a catch-and-shoot player. And then off the bench is some good pieces there at that four, but stretch fours have been giving some issues for the Cincinnati defense, and I don't know what the direct connect there is or, you know, whether it's just something that teams have been able to exploit, but you know, it's, it just is a Jeremiah Davenport's not a good defender and teams are going right at him. Right. Like, let's, let's be honest. That That's what we're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it was a game where also uh, JD had a couple of his threes that, you know, kept, kept things going for Cincinnati. David DeJulius, obviously, had another twenty point outing. Um, you know, here's I, my here's my concern with with David. Yeah, twenty five points, and then twenty four, and then twenty three. Next thing you know, he's going to be down to zero. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's when the wheels come off. Right there. Um, no, I, I you know, I just feel for David because it seems like when things are starting to get going, it, it's not like they turned over the ball at an absurd amount during the game but they had some timely turnovers ones where it was a run or, you know, they're kind of in it in the first half and then think like three straight possessions of turnover leading to a bucket. It just was at, at times you want to, you want to have just someone else help out DDJ just like ride with them. Yeah. Someone go help that man, please, please. <laughs> you guys know what I mean. Well, and I feel like no, I agree. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. Like there was there was a stretch in the first half where if it wasn't him, UC no wasn't getting points. No, we talked about it earlier in the season too, where John Newman was the glue guy, and I feel like over the course of maybe the last five six games, that glue has become a little unglued. No, and I think he's still doing all the other things to help you. He's just not scoring anymore, which is a huge, like when they're when the offense was at its best. Look, it, I guess that the, the main thing is you can't do it with two guys. Like, on a consistent right. basis, you're not the two score. If you only have two scorers, you're too easy to stop. And when Newman, Aaron, to your point, when Newman offensively was hitting eight, nine, 10, yeah. 11 points a game, yeah. um, that, that made him more than a glue guy. Like, he's still defending and rebounding and doing the things that you want him to do as your glue guy. He's just mm-hmm. not providing an offensive threat really right now. And it, it's so hard when when all you have are two jump shooters, like as as you're you're only scoring. Well, and it's a to, killer. To one of the points that we've made earlier in the season, too, with Micah Adams Woods, we wanted him to be more aggressive. We just didn't want it to be 
at the cost of going four of 17 in a game. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of what to with what Chad was saying as well, like Newman shot six shots. Um, Hard to get in the rhythm. That's yeah. I don't know if that's a, you want to, you don't want to think that that injury is still just nagging injury kind of, or whether it's just something that he's just, like you guys said, no rhythm, no, he's kind of just lost his flow a little bit, but I mean, six shots and you've got Micah who, who was clearly off in the game, hoisting up 17. I, it just, that's just some things you don't want to see. Uh, you would rather have it spread out where, where if it isn't someone's night, you're not going to force it until you try and make it your night because before you know it, you're going to lose to Tulsa on the road, just like that. Ed, oh. thank you. Get your dad to take his car to Danko Transmissions. He gets $77 off any service over $100 this week. And if you risk it, you never know what they might score against Wichita Sturo, against Temple on Sunday. So it might cost him $15 if he doesn't take it in this week. So tell him we said thank you. And, uh, $15. $15. Okay. Thank you. And then thank you. Mm, stew. I, I, I like a good stew. Good beef stew. Mm. Vegetable stew, not as much. Beef stew, yeah, I, I can rock with the beef stew. Good stew goes a long way. It definitely does. does. It definitely does. Um, I I mean, we can this this game obviously is one that just you hate watching it. When it ends, you just hate thinking about it. And then when a podcast rolls around and you have to talk about it, to be honest with you, you hate talking about it. So uh, the greatest thing about basketball, and we've heard it mentioned a few times in press conferences, is, is the fact that there's another game right around the corner. And this one, three of them. Yeah, but this first one. It's sizing up to be a lot more difficult than first thought of. Um, Memphis is pretty much at full strength, minus an interesting story of Amani Bates, who who knows if he's getting help up in Michigan or what a he, weird season for that dude. Man, he he gave everyone shoes and then said, "I got to go get my body checked out up in Michigan." I don't know, but. Man, they looked really, really good against Houston on Saturday. They are Memphis, that is, the Tigers. They've they've gone on one of their runs. It's it's a roller coaster of a season. Uh and Cincinnati opened up, I believe, at a one point underdog. Now I think it's hiked up to four. I what is I guess something that you guys are wanting to see? Because this is a Memphis team that's clicking, and now that they they had that focus of stacking wins. Cincinnati on the road right now is a quad one win, if you will. So Memphis has quite a lot to play for on Tuesday night. Cincinnati will be wearing those beautiful throwback uniforms. Finally. (laughs) Right. Thank you. Finally, the cats have come back. A little little rock shout out there from the Super Bowl. What a weird segment that was during the actual Super Bowl, too, by the way. They just put him in weird situations and have, tell him to figure it out, don't they? But it's uh, so strange. So strange. Um, and we're going to talk more Super Bowl later. I, halftime show was great. Commercials were great. Game was uh, – it was good until the end. But what on Tuesday night are you guys most wanting to see 
after this extremely quick turnaround yet again for the Bearcats coming home after that two-game road trip? Consistency. Play well on both ends of the floor. Like, play well for 40 minutes. Don't, don't. There's so, so many fits and starts with this team. Um, you know, and, and we've beat it to death. That That's just not, it's a team with a lot of middle of roster talent and, and not enough top of roster talent. Um, I want to see a team that plays the way they want offensively and plays hard defensively, but that's, that's going to be a challenge because boy, right now with DeAndre Williams back in the lineup for Memphis, they look like a different team. Like they, they look like roles are starting to be defined. Jalen yeah. Duren's playing like a monster. Yep. You got Quinones and Lomax um, is and, back and, now. And Nolly yep. shooting it well. You got Tyler Harris and Lomax handling the point guard position and, and giving you two kind of different looks between the two of them. Um, the Minot, Kim Minot, Minot, Adu, Ado, Minot, Minot. Um, <laughs> he is like, he's got long term star potential. He looks like one of those like, Dude, that's pretty good as a freshman, and by the time he's a junior, he's conference player of the year. Right. Um, so they're going to be a bitch. Like, they, you wanted to get them when they weren't playing well because there was always a chance that they could put it together. Now, the one thing I think, if you're Cincinnati, you have to feel good, about, at least somewhat good about, they're still three and five on the road. Like, they're, right. they're, they're not a great road team. They're really good at FedEx Forum. Uh, but as a road team, they're still somewhat inconsistent. I just think with Williams back, you get he's what is he fifth or sixth year guy? He's been there forever. Yeah, um, I mean, you get a, a calming veteran presence that'll help them on the road. Yeah, I mean, what? Well, he he was at Evansville, and then last year, obviously, he's, he's yeah. he is someone that's been in college basketball for a very long time. But yeah, I mean, Aaron. This is also a team in Memphis that the Bearcats made 16 three-pointers the last time the two teams met. Mm-hmm. And just like this re- most recent game, they gave up 87 points in a loss. So what what are you kind of looking for or the main thing you're going to keep your eye on other than those beautiful jerseys? There is that. Um I don't know. I mean, I'm going to be in attendance at the game. The spread, to your point uh, earlier, has moved to three, actually, right now as I'm looking at it, uh, according to Caesars. Um, Beyond that, though, uh, the ESPN's BPI gives Cincinnati a 47.8% chance to win this game somehow. Um, I I thought that the spread would and and the BPI percentage would be a little more tipped in Memphis's favor, actually. that said, it's because of what I just said. Memphis is not Memphis has not proven to be nearly as strong on the road as they are at home. And again, that said, you know we we kind of got that false sense of hope with Houston as well, and that that ended up not being just you know who uh, Brent actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, come on. Uh, but but you Memphis did is... too. That that wasn't me. I didn't look at that game and have warm and fuzzy feelings. I I, I still had. Uh, visions of the slaughterhouse scene that we saw the last (laughs) twice last year. Hey man, I I mean, but then Houston goes on the road, loses to SMU and then comes back home and loses to Memphis. I, I mean, 
you know, they're on, they're on a five game win streak right now. Uh, if Cincinnati is going to pull one off at home is going to be the time to do it. And I think that it, you're going to have a crowd ready to see those jerseys. I think you're going to have a crowd that's hungry for a win, especially after the loss against Tulsa, after the, the Bengals Super Bowl loss. Um, I think that you're, you're going to have some, some people really wanting to get into this game. And I think that you're going to hear the crowd kind of adjust accordingly. I think they're going to be hyped. They're going to be up for the moment. And I would just love to see some people in the lower bowl standing up. I'm wondering if we're going to experience some sports fatigue on Tuesday night, tomorrow night. Uh, uh, With the, let's just watch this one at home crowd. Yeah. I just kind of like, it's been, it's been a a very exciting, but very taxing 45 days for the sports fans in this city. Yeah. A lot of them traveled to Dallas. A lot of them traveled to Los Angeles. A lot of them right. have, you know, poured a, most of their heart into the UC football and UC basketball season. And I right. want, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I have this fear tomorrow night, especially after the loss at Tulsa. You feel like the team is losing momentum down the stretch. That I, I hope it's a full house, uh, right. a rescheduled game not a game that people were planning on having to, to attend on Tuesday night. Three straight um, home games. Three straight home games coming up. Yeah, so you're going to Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday options. Um, I don't know. I, I hope Aaron's right. I have a fear. And hopefully Memphis, the name itself, you know, if this right. was like uh, an ECU coming in, oh, I'd be terrified of, you know, 5,000 fans, 6,000 fans. Uh, Memphis yeah. should make it more, but I'm worried a little bit about that. Is that fair, Aaron? You think? Yes. Okay. I mean, I, the it was in a perfect spot originally, a standalone Thursday. Then you've yes, got that yeah. Houston game looming. You know, yeah, it, it was perfect, and I it was a 7 p.m. tip, right? Or was it a later one? I, no, I, think, I think it was seven. seven. Yeah, it was seven. So it, it was literally. The perfect slot. Mother Nature had had op, you know, different different ideas, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> a Tuesday, seven p.m. on ESPN Plus. Just doesn't scream the amount that it should for this game. Um, but I don't know. I other team I want to see, and and I think we will because I think this team does play hard. They do, you know, try as as hard as they can, um, but. Memphis has a. If, if you watch that Memphis game at Houston on Saturday, they they are playing with a whole new level of purpose. And well, you hope they they a letdown fired game. their fired their gun, right? Oh, if you will, uh, with okay. that Houston game, and uh, it, it's a quick turnaround. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. But and then they the go at is, SMU next th- this weekend. So it. It could be that bridge game. Could be a, yeah, saying. it could be a sandwich game. A little, a little trap game here with the Bearcats. Right. I don't know. <laughs> a team that they beat already once this season, so maybe maybe they overlook the Cats a little bit. I doubt it. Teams don't overlook Cincinnati. It's just not how it works. No. Uh, with, that, with the Cats on your chest, nobody's ever going to overlook you, right? Yeah, I think that's safe to say, <laughs> especially with those those nice new unis. And then, of course, Wichita State. 
on Thursday in Temple on this. I you know it, coming into the stretch, it was just kind of going where it was like you know figure out a way to to come out of these next five games, next you know seven games, if you will, and then head into that final week of the season and whatever happens happens. And you you can't still have that same tone because of how deflating Saturday night was, but you can still you can still close the season strong and have that hope of, you know, things are heading in, in the right direction. Things are going the right way, but man, it's gotta, it's gotta flip pretty quickly uh, because I mean, I, I don't think you're going to knock down 16 threes. I mean, you knocked down 12 and, and you held Tulsa to what, four or five. You still ended up losing by six. So I don't know. It's a, got to figure it out, defend and go from there. Yeah. Did you write the preview yet for Memphis? No, I I have well, not. Well, I was only curious if they're still turning it over at the clip they were earlier this season where they were dead last in the entire country. Yeah. Um, let's see here. In conference play only. I I mean the think about it, they are the worst in the conference at turnover percentage, but um they're 351st in in the country overall for the season. That's real it, bad. Turnover and at twenty three point two percent of their uh, possessions, which is extremely bad. But uh, it, you know, it's just one of those teams. Still, they've got a bunch of length now. They've and, and it does seem like the, the Bearcats really do struggle with length. And I don't know. Figure well, out a way. Figure out a well, way to stay in there. Well, we have a guest, Brent. Oh, do we? Oh, do we? It was uh, it was it, today's Valentine's Day. For all of you guys that didn't know. And man, when all of us were sitting there thinking that we hate sports and what is life? I hate life. There was a there's a ray of sunshine, a beacon of light. And it was someone that made me say, gosh, I love sports. Gosh, I love the Cincinnati Bearcat. And gosh, I love Justin Williams. Justin, how are we? Welcome to the BBP. I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I was happy to to be your personal Jesse Palmer for the day, Brent. Ooh, wow. Do you I, 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 I shouldn't even put myself in the, in the same breath as, as Jesse Palmer, but well, you did it for me. You did. It. <laughs> How did your wife take the uh, development that you were going to be uh, as busy as you've been in months today when it, when it happened on Valentine's so, day? <laughs> she, Valentine's day is, is just another regular day in our house anymore. Um, she was, she was unfazed by it. I also, <laughs> also helped out a little bit at a preschool Valentine's day party, which was Ooh. by far the most challenging thing I did today. Um, and then we, we made skyline at the house for a romantic dinner with us and our two children as the Encanto soundtrack played on a loop. So just a, a lot of romance in the well, air today, clearly. Um, we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> no, no. I'm going to, Justin, I'm going to have to get you some of the, uh, the, the, the cheese coney sliders that I, that I made for the Super Bowl. They were unbelievable. They were awesome. So is this like the kind of, I've had like the lunch meat sliders where you put like the poppy seed sauce over it. Are you doing some version of that, but with chili? So what we did is we browned up some beef. We got some Cincinnati chili seasoning uh, and seasoned the beef, cut up hot dogs and put that in with the beef and let them, you know, cook together. And then like you would do for like uh hanky pankies, mm -hmm. put Velveeta cheese in there 
to bring it together, let it simmer to like cook down and all come together. And then you get the, the, the Hawaiian rolls, mm -hmm. slice it in half. You put some mustard and some cheese on the Hawaiian roll. You scoop on the, the Cincy chili beef and hot dog mixture, put the lid on it, put it in the oven for like 20 minutes to let it all cook together. Boom. Done. I didn't. Oh, he, it was it was outstanding. He doesn't do onions. Do you do onions on your conies, Justin? I am not. Uh, I don't have a complete aversion to onions the way Chad does, but I do not get them on my conies. Right. I am a I'm a mustard no onion kind of guy when I when yeah. I get my conies. Suck on that, Aaron. <laughs> with age, with age, aggressive. I have I've added aggressive the onions and the uh, mustard, but. But I go with a chili cheese sandwich, no hot dog for mine. So you guys can mm. go ahead and clown me as much as you want there. But just watching your case to meats, I guess. Just, as long <laughs> as you're not, an, as long as you're not an alligator guy. What's an alligator guy? You don't. You've never heard of an alligator? I mean, I <laughs> I know what an alligator is. What's an alligator guy? Yeah. You, you it's it's remove the hot dog, sub a pickle. Oh no. Oh, the, yeah, oh, no. that's a that's a real thing that people do. It's called an alligator. With yeah, Skyline? Yeah. No. Sheesh. No, that doesn't. I like pickles too, but not, that's not for me. <laughs> did, did you call them hanky pankies? What are you talking about? Hunky dories? No, hanky pankies. Yeah. Call them hunky dories I guess, at my house. Yeah. I, I, I shit on a shingle is like the other thing. Yeah. That's they're called one, here yeah. in Cincinnati. Yeah. They're hanky pankies in my family. Okay. So, Luke Fickle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jay Will, just, uh, Run us down. Tell us uh, how it unfolded and, and kind of obviously just, just initial reactions you've gotten. Yeah, so I pretty much every um, off season for the past, I, I probably since I, I started on the beat, I've done like a January, February kind of off season sit down with, with Luke, which he's very gracious to, to you know, let me do and, and kind of humor me on that kind of stuff. And it's usually kind of like looking back at the past year and, and looking ahead a little bit, usually try and wait till like all the, the coaching hires, you know, settle down and uh, and the coaching carousel kind of settles down so that he doesn't feel like he has to talk around that kind of stuff. And, you know, so d did this one and I had a bunch of different questions and actually like th this kind of all this news came out of this sit down that we had and, and that's running tomorrow in full on The Athletic. I wasn't necessarily expecting there to be like breaking contract news come out of that. But I had a bunch of stuff I, I want to ask him. And as you'll see in the full interview tomorrow, like maybe two thirds, three fourths of the way through the, the conversation, I asked him about his contract. And like we were in his office and I asked him and he literally starts looking around his desk. And I was like, are you going to show it to me? <laughs> Which I was not <laughs> expecting. And he goes, oh, you know, no, I, you know, I, I left it upstairs in John's office talking about John Cunningham. And, you know, from there, I kind of just kept prodding and got him to, to talk a little bit about it. And I don't think it's a huge surprise. I mean, I know he just signed a, an extension in 2020, um, you know, a couple Augusts ago uh, that paid him $3.4 I think went through 2026. But look, if you make the college football playoff, especially as a, a group of five coach, like you get you get another contract. If you're going to the Big 12, you get another contract. So I, I thought something might be kind of coming at some point soon. I had checked in with the, uh, you know, for his 
for his contract and, and stuff like that earlier in the off season and there hadn't been any updates. And obviously they're you know, they were paying some coaches and they gave some promotions, so figure there was some some staff salary additions that were made. But yeah, I think he was kind of just like, look, this isn't completely done yet. We're tweaking a couple things and it has to be approved by the board, which is, you know, will uh, happen later this month, most likely. And, but he kind of just laid it out like, yeah, look, you know, John and I have this relationship where we knew it was going to get done eventually. Um, as I put in the piece today, John Cunningham actually offered him the contract or gave him some version of an extension, like midway through this past season. And in, in Luke Fickle fashion, he put it in his bag and, and didn't look at it. And, you know, it's, it seems kind of, it, Chad knows this too. Like the way Luke talks about contracts and extensions and money is like, Hey, you know, it's not what's important to me. I don't care about it. And it's easy for people on the outside to hear that and roll their eyes at it. But here's the situation where a few months ago, the athletic director handed him a contract that was going to make him $5 million. And he literally put it in his bag and didn't look at it until after the season. Now, you know, you bet on yourself. Let's, you let's, the- let's week week Good. seven. Week seven would be still in October, right? Or right at the end of October, beginning of November. He and said, he didn't he, he look said at week it. Seven or eight, yeah. He didn't look at it for two months. He had a one point five mil, whatever one a, a, a substantial seven figure raise in his briefcase, and was like, yeah. I get to that when I get to it. I don't know, Charlie. I got a guy on the other line about some white walls. Let me get back to you. And, who, you know, who knows? I don't know how much it's changed since the end of the offseason. Maybe they, you know, I know they are still kind of tweaking some things the way he talked about it. So maybe maybe it was a, a little under that or, or something was different. But, yeah, the the upshot is he was given a, an extension that probably would have given him a significant raise. And he, he put it in a drawer for a couple months. And then, you know, he said John Cunningham came to him again once the offseason hit and, you know, probably after the carousel kind of died down a little bit and was like, hey, about that extension. And Luke was like, yeah, we, we have to do the assistant contracts first. And then, think, and then think, we can do my extension. Think about that. This is a man that literally you have to bother to give him more money. Like, <laughs> look, we're, we're trying. That's only when people are constantly like, what about Luke's extension? What about Luke's extension? And I don't even really know how to explain it because it's so unbelievable. When people were asking in December and January, what about Luke's extension? What about Luke's extension? And you can't – it feels like you're 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 lying if you say to them, he doesn't care. Like, it, it it's like the 12th thing on his list. Like, okay, well, we need this, we need this, we need this, we need this. Oh, and then, by the way, Amy said, you have to pay me. <laughs> Chad, we've talked about this before, like – and part of this interview, one of the things I asked him earlier in the interview, a lot of what he likes about coaching football has nothing to do with being a head coach. Um, and I think that's why, you know, after that yeah. year at Ohio State for a long time, he didn't want to be a head coach because he realized there's a lot that comes with this that isn't what I like about coaching. And, you know, this kind of – this goes into that and this leads to that. He doesn't care about the news of an extension and, and getting it done and all kind of that. I mean, go back to the last one that he signed in 2020 – you found it by accident. Yeah, in the in the board of trustees meeting, it got approved. And I can here, let's go back and look. That was in August. I can pull it up and find out when it was actually signed. I think it was signed a lot earlier than that. You were and listen, you were there for something else, right? You weren't like yeah. are you you weren't there because like the Luke Fickle contract extension was being approved. If you weren't there for something else, 
That would have gone through the cracks. So it was signed by him on June 24th of 2020, this past Go uh, through to August. And it was signed by John Cunningham on June 28th. And I think it was like August 25th or something like that when they had the board of trustees meeting to actually, and that was, you know, that was a little different because it was all private funding for the extension and the, the braids and stuff like that. So it probably had a little bit more um, legwork that had to be done, but yeah, that, that contract was signed for two months and no one had any idea. And, you know, it's, it's the other thing. If, if I hadn't asked him about it, you know, with this one, it's not, it's not like he offered up that information. He probably would have probably would have gone however many months until someone's like, "Hey, Luke, are you signing an extension?" And he would have been like, "Oh yeah, I did that back in in February." <laughs> How big of a deal of it, of it is it that they raised the assistant staff salary pool from that three point eight to five point two million dollars? Yeah, I mean that's that's huge, and I I think he would tell you that was probably the biggest part, and I don't think he's lying. I'd be curious. I didn't get into this with him and you know, I don't know how honest anyone would be, but the fact that he was like, Hey, I, I told John Cunningham we had to get the assistance done first makes me wonder if it was like, I don't care you know, necessarily what you're paying me. I want to make sure we can pay our assistance what we need to, and then we can figure out what I'm getting paid. Um, now look, Luke's getting $5 million. So it's not like, you know, he's necessarily taking a huge haircut, but I'm sure he could have gotten more money and had less money for the staff if that was what he cared about. And it's, it's clear that he didn't. And there's a lot of things, you know, he, he talked about in this interview, like we're going to the big 12 now. I don't want to lose a coach to the big 10 or the ACC or the SEC just because we can't afford to keep them. Like that made sense a couple of years ago, maybe when we're in the American, it doesn't make sense now. It also goes back to, you know, Part of the thing, part of being a head coach that he doesn't totally like, I think, is like the whole hiring coaching carousel process. He wants to be able to hire the guys he likes and feels comfortable with. And he wants to keep them there as long as he can. Um, and so I think that's that was another big part. The staff salary and the indoor practice facility, I think, were like the two things where he's like, I want to make sure we're on the same page on this, we're in alignment on this, and then we can worry about my salary and be signed on a contract. Here, Justin, you can answer that question that's on the screen. Do you know any other? (laughs) (laughs) Just, um, it's a good question. In the past, Luke Fickle, I think, has operated without an agent. But just like when you go to the Big 12, you get more money, you get a contract extension. At some point, you kind of have to upgrade and get some, some representation, too. For those of you on the audio-only format of this, uh, do you know any other college football head coaches that do not have an agent? So that that was that the answer to that question. Is that he, fair, Chad? That's fair. That's fair. he has an agent now. I, I still think uh, they handle most of it in house uh, with with uh, counsel from the agent, uh, but he does have an agent, and it is a big one. I thought you were going to say her name was Amy Fickle. Uh, that's who the agent. Has, see, yeah. usually the coaches work for the agent. <laughs> In this situation, I'm pretty sure the agent works for Amy. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, some of the biggest talks have been how Cincinnati is that group of five, and they aren't up on this level that these t- other teams are that can pay the coaches the high salaries and whatnot. Is this kind of 
a stamp to stamp of approval, if you will, kind of showing that, hey, look, we're, we're willing to fork up what we need to in order to keep an elite coach like Luke Fickle in a situation at Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, this the whole deal to me, and in, in, including in that deal, obviously the staff salary bump, but also the indoor practice facility and this $100 million kind of fundraising campaign that the, the university has put out there. All of that is like a very clear signal of how the university feels about Luke Fickle. And it's like, we get it. This guy, you know, this guy is it. You know, he's he, he's kind of an elite coach. He's the guy that we want. He's the guy that, you know, we need to take us to the Big 12, but also just to achieve all the things we want to achieve as a as a university athletics program. And so I think that's a good sign from the university saying, we're going to do whatever it takes to keep this guy. And look, at some point, no matter what the university does, maybe it won't be enough. If it's Ohio State or, or just, you know, there's some other opportunity that he can't turn down. There, there's going to be places that Cincinnati can't outbid or places that Cincinnati can't out-resource and things like that. But we've been through this however many off-seasons now where, you know, Luke is not just jumping at the next job. And to Cincinnati's credit, they've kind of, you know, ponied up and said, whatever it takes to keep you, money, assistant money, uh, a new practice facility, like we're going to do whatever it takes. And, you know, I think if you're a Bearcats fan, that has to be a good sign that the university recognizes it and that they've kind of found a way to get these resources to do that. As they're looking for money for the indoor practice facility, do you see any chance that they strike a deal a la Pittsburgh with the Cincinnati Bengals who are also without an indoor practice facility? And no. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard that. Um, And everything that I've seen in terms of like the legal, you know, stuff, the, the request for qualifications that have been put out for the university, there's never been any mention of the Bengals. Now, what I think the Bengals pay Cincinnati to use the bubble right now, don't they? Right. So, you know, maybe there's something in the future where if they need to use the indoor facility, they kind of do the same thing. I don't know, but I, yeah, I haven't heard of any kind of like, like, it's like $3,000 a day to rent the bubble and like $20 million to build an indoor practice facility. Which one do you think the Bengals are going to pick? I didn't, I mean, I didn't think there was a shot in hell that they'd ever actually pay for the damn thing. I was just wondering if they would actually contribute part of the funding to put, you know, like Pittsburgh has both logos right on the actual facility for the the Panthers and the Steelers. I didn't know if you'd find something like that with Cincinnati here. Again, both teams are looking for an indoor practice facility. No. Yeah, I mean. Only one team is looking for an indoor practice facility. (laughs) The Bengals do have their own version of Luke Fickle now in terms of uh, Very good. The Bengals do have their own version of of Luke Fickle now in terms of somebody who can kind of walk in the office and say, this is what I would like and the the organizational... Yeah, they'll yeah, probably do whatever so. they can. So if Joe yeah. Burrow says I'd like an indoor <laughs> practice facility, maybe maybe they get one. I don't know, but it'll be down by the river. It won't be in Clifton. Good old Joe and Luke. So I a question that or a thought that I was kind of thinking of as the number went from you know twenty twenty six to twenty twenty eight is does this have some sort of effect on recruiting when you go in and you talk to these recruits and they have the ability to search up a a, a contract info and say. Oh wow! It actually says Luke is here until 2028. So screw all these other people that are saying like, "Oh, he's definitely looking for 
for the next way out, the next big job, and they can't bid their next four years playing for him and the staff. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just one more thing that coaching staff, Luke included, can can sell on the trail because you know the past couple years that's, you know, a, a opposing teams, opposing coaches are lobbying everything they can, whether it's they're not in the power conference, uh, they're never going to make the playoffs, Luke Fickle's going to leave and go to a bigger job in, you know, a year or two. Well, now they can say, well, we're going to the Big 12. We just went to the playoff, and Luke just signed a, a big extension that, I, you know, and I, I haven't seen because there's been so much movement this offseason, but it's got to put him in, like, the top 20, 25 in terms of – Right around top 25. Yeah. So, and, you know, there's there's a certain top-level echelon there that obviously is going to, you know, kind of be really tough for anybody to crack. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just one more thing that they can sell on the recruiting trail and – they certainly have a lot that they can can sell right now. So, you know, I, I've said this. I said this the last time he signed the extension. I'm not one of those people that thinks like Luke Fickle's going to be in Cincinnati forever. It wouldn't shock me if he stays around for a long time. It wouldn't shock me if he stays, you know, for basically as long as as he wants to. Um, but forever, at every forever, forever, <laughs> at every step of the way, anything that you know would suggest like. He's he would leave or wants to leave. He's he's done the opposite, and this is just like another example of that. And like I said before, to me, it's a sign of Luke Fickle reinforcing his commitment to Cincinnati, and it's you know Cincinnati reinforcing their commitment to him and the football program. How much does the OCDC and special teams coordinator make of that pool? We don't we don't know yet. Um, Denbrock was at what half a million? Yeah, half or four fifty. I can't about four fifty. I think something like that. Um, Marcus was right at 400 plus as well before he left, right? Yeah, I mean he was he was gonna get a big one if he if Marcus. Trestle Trestle sure. was less, probably 350 or so. Um, no, my Trestle, guess is he was a decent amount. Was he? Trestle. Was I didn't more, know if yeah. he was that four. Whatever. I think I think he might have been six. Oh really? I I was gonna say I would guess. Um this would put both coordinators over 500, so probably 550, 600,000. Yeah, I'm going to have to do math here, but I just pulled this up. Go ahead. I just pulled this up from 24-7. Um, You're on Ryan Day. Well, I did that on purpose. You were asking where he fell into the top 25, just to compare. They don't have past the top 10 on this article, but Ryan Day was making 7.6, or expected to make 7.6 million for 2022, uh, just to kind of put that in perspective, uh, as he's number 10 on this list here. So, yeah, I think if you take out Venables is making more and Sark's making more, so both if you say both those teams are going to SEC, Mike Gundy's contract's weird. He like took less money at some point but it i think it came in incentives around the back end so i'm not sure what gunny's making next year but you basically I, I, think, I don't know why he did that he's a man he's 40 <laughs> i'm sorry i've been a mess tonight i i'm all over the place but i think this Luke's is what like, justin has to deal with every day when we're just standing around at practice <laughs> in terms of the new Big 12, Dana Holgerson just signed an extension or agreed to an extension at Houston, too. Like, he's going to be up there. Gundy's going to be up there. If Matt Campbell gets a new deal at Iowa State, he'll be up there. But, like, Luke's going to be right near the top of, of kind of the new Big 12 coaches. Do you think, the, uh, do you think the timing kind of just directly coincides with the college football playoff <laughs> and with, you know, the Big 12 movement? Or do you think the, the flux of talent leaving to the NFL – 
and kind of just the fact that it will be somewhat of a reload next year had a little bit to tie in as well, where you want to say, Hey, we got to make this happen right now. This off season's huge for the program. We want to make sure that we can let you know that you're the only piece that we really care about going forward. Yeah. I mean, I think the big 12 part is, is huge. Obviously like the playoffs huge. Again, if you're a coach and you make the playoff, you're going to get a, a new contract. That's, kind of just the, the way it works if, if you're that successful you're going to get a new contract offer but the big 12 it has the you know not guarantee but you figure there's going to be some more money coming in whatever the, the big 12 contract looks like when they get that in terms of tv money but it's also like you know they've made since i made this big deal about they want to be day one ready when they go into the big 12 that's what this 100 million dollar fundraising campaign's about that's kind of all the positioning they've said and like you're not going to be day one ready if you can't pay to keep your playoff coach, uh, you know, in tow and, and give him the things he wants in terms of staff and, and facilities and stuff like that. So yeah, the, the big 12, the promise of more money, but also like it's going to be harder to compete there on the recruiting trail on the field. And you need to make sure you have Luke fickle locked up and happy. If you want to try and do that sooner rather than later. You think there was anything in the, in the athletic department that kind of uh, was a reaction to the, uh, in case of emergency break glass option no longer being an option as well like everybody there was a belief right or universally that if something happened with Fick, you call up marcus you plug marcus in and and the beat goes on you ain't getting marcus anymore like <laughs> you, you better keep Fick now <laughs> yeah i mean even like a couple months ago right when the notre dame job opened everyone was kind of like all right well if Fick gets the notre dame job and he's probably going to pass Marcus Freeman, you know, somewhere on 74 or however, whatever route you take to come from South Bend to Cincinnati. And so, yeah, I think that's certainly part of it. There's not like an obvious plan, not backup plan, but like plan B or, you know, a secondary option that you would go to if, if Luke Vickle leaves. And ideally that would, you know, maybe it ends up being Gino at some point or, or someone on staff at some point. Uh, but I also just think like, you know, I, I do think the athletic department, the university, they get it. Like they realize how, how important and, and how good Luke Fickle is. And like, if you, if you mean all the things you say, if you mean you want to go into the big 12 and be compete, be ready to, to play right away, like you can't screw around and, and let a coach like that get away. So as well on top, there has, Luke has always talked about having like the consistency among his staff and there has been not like huge turnover within the past two years, there has been a good amount of coaches that have moved on that were, you know, on the staff for since the beginning, pretty much. Uh, Welcome to college football. Exactly. But does this kind of solidify the, the hope to keep the, the staff cont continuous to year to year and uh, kind of just having, you know, those pieces in place like Luke had in the beginning when they made the rise? I mean, it definitely helps What when we were there a couple of weeks ago talking about some of the new staff hires, you know, we asked Luke about, so yeah, they hired a couple of new people, but they gave Colin Hitchler got a promotion to right. co-DC and Mike Brown gets passing game coordinator. And there's some responsibilities that come along with that. But, you know, the biggest part of that is giving these guys, you know, it's an excuse to give them more money. It's a promotion that, you know, give them more incentive to stay around if they don't have a coordinator spot they can kind of bump up into. So I think that's part of it is, hey, you can, you know, guys who maybe have opportunities to, to go somewhere else and be a coordinator or go to a, you know, quote unquote, bigger school and, and be a position coach. Now, maybe you can give them a little more reason incentive to hang around. But I also think it's, 
you know, if you come up across a situation where somebody does leave and go to another job, there's nothing holding you back from, from getting the guy you want from, you know, going and poaching from another power conference school or, uh, you know, paying money to, to bring in somebody that you feel like, you know, is, is a perfect fit for the program, but maybe needs a little extra money to get them. But I think it works on, on both ways in terms of that. But yeah, I think there's definitely people who get offers like Mike Brown, Colin Hitchler, you know, Greg Scruggs, Brady Collins, you know, all these guys who have, who have been around for a while and probably had other opportunities, Gino Gadouli. Well, now you have a little bit more, more money to keep them in Cincinnati. Speaking of that press conference, what was your takeaway overall from uh, the getting to, to see Gino in that first press conference as offensive coordinator, getting to see Kerry Combs when it was 40 degrees outside, walk in in a t-shirt and shorts, uh, our first conversation with Mike Cummings, who I already have a man crush on, because I think he's going to be interview gold. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> Walt Stewart getting to sit in front of the crowd and be back home. Yeah, I mean, I think you saw the like the attraction with, with each one of those guys. I mean, Gino's been around, and I think people, you know, he, he's just one of those guys like, once he got kind of, I think he was maybe a little nervous to start that press conference, but once he's comfortable, like he can just talk, you see why he's a good recruiter because, you know, he just talks naturally. He kind of is easy to, easy to make connection with. Um, and you, you saw that come out of him. You saw Kerry Combs, like who I think on the first Combs. question, yeah, he went on like a 10 minute monologue about how much he loves Luke Fickle and none of it felt like forced or, or weird. It's just who he is. Like Mike Cummings, I think you saw kind of that attitude that they want you know, out of the, the offensive line. And then Walt Stewart, like he was probably the most nervous and understandably so like he's, he's young, he's a young coach, he's back at his school, but you know, the, the one quote that stuck with me from him, I think you might ask him about it, Chad was like, you know, seeing other guys like Gino and Benz and Pat Lambert around wearing the Steve Paul, you know, and, and how much it means to them and how he fits into that. And like that, he understands that pride of place and, and for Luke Fickle to understand that and realize the value of bringing those people back, like that's, that's what came away from, from walking up there talking. So uh, I, I think you saw how each one of those guys fit in the program and, and what it was about them that, you know, made Luke Fickle drawn to them. You also had a chance to, to stand, hang out with me and talk with Walt for like 20 minutes afterwards and kind of get to know him any, a little better. And I'm guessing that gave you a greater understanding of why, everybody in the Linder center loves Walt Stewart. Yeah. There's, there's certain people that have very high, like uh, approval ratings, right. You know, we saw that mm -hmm. with, with, with Mike Rayfelt when, when Wes brought him back, like, you know, you're not going to find anyone that has a bad word to say about Mike Rayfelt. Everyone's excited about that. And I obviously wasn't around for when Walt played, but heard only good things about him. Um, and yeah, it was pretty obvious getting to stand and talk with him a little bit after that, why people, feel so strongly about him you know why fickle felt strongly enough about him to to want to bring him back um and and i think he kind of fits exactly what they're wanting to do on on defense but with that whole culture pride situation in general and stuff did the uh he's just a did, good dude yeah he was quiet he was quiet like you said probably the, the most nervous out of all of them but i mean it's it's one of those where you can't gather everything from a press conference so but um were you guys surprised when the when the dip comment came out of uh, Gino's mouth? No, I mean that 
I mean, not surprised, but still in the same sense that your your introductory press conference as as the OC, I thought it was hilarious. He he had me dying laughing numerous times, especially that when, wasn't the, the best part. The, the best part was when we had Cummings about one. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I do not recall Cummings was suddenly in front of a congressional hearing. Um, I know. Yeah. No, the relationship between those guys, those two guys, is really funny. Uh, and yeah, like that's again, that's that's Gino right there, and. Uh, that's what I think makes him such a, a good recruiter and such a good coach is because he's relatable. But, you know, some of the coaches know how to like turn it on and off or, or put on the coach speak for the, the press. He doesn't and, have an off switch. Yeah. Now <laughs> let's hope it stays that way. Let's, let's hope that, you know, they don't, they don't make him corporate and we see him up there in like a shirt and tie or something like that. But uh, I think that's just who Gino is. And, and that's part of the reason why I think he's had a lot of success as a coach. Don't fickle Gino. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to say it, but. Well, he was kind of going, kind of going off topic. While we have you here, what have you made of Shimon Mateer running over twenty miles an hour as a tight end every week? Yeah, every week, every week, every week. I that's what I I asked Brady about it. I think even we might have just been talking before or after, but I asked Fickle about it. Like, what are you guys feeding Shimon? (laughs) I mean, Chad, correct me if you feel like I'm wrong, but I think everyone in the program was kind of surprised that he's putting up these numbers. Yeah. Like it's, you're right. It's not a fluke. It wasn't like a one time, you know, the, the, the chip didn't malfunction. He's done it a couple times now, but anytime I've asked him, literally every week, but every time I've asked, like he said, he was surprised. Yeah. I don't, don't, he's not alone. Um, I'd I'd like to ask Shimon about it because maybe he's like, I had no idea I was, I was that fast, but uh, that's encouraging, right? When he's what running step for step with Tyler Scott. Yeah, no big deal. More encouraging when when he's when he's ahead of most of the safeties and linebackers, right? Because that's who he's gonna that's who's gonna have to be tasked with guarding him uh, when he's out there. And it, he's just such a like it, Gino joked about um, Mike Cummings liking guys that were uh, big like, in the lower yeah. end. You better keep Mike Cummings' yeah. eyes off of Shimon Mateer. Because he could see that kid at at 305. Like I Mike Cummings might tackle my friend. Yeah. Good. Come come this way, son. Biscuit away from a left tackle, as uh as Ferg, <laughs> Ferg once said about Lenny Taylor. That was yeah. a great story on that. That was the so Justin was still fairly new to the beat. Uh, and he had never been to a camp before. And I had explained to him, I'm like, one of the reasons you go to these camps is because the team is they're working. Like they're, they're working the, the stations, they're, they're timing the 40s, and you get an access to them that we casually, that we generally very rarely have because it's always a practice setting or a press conference setting, whatever. Um, so I'm like, come down check it out. I know you, you might not be able to get a lot of like athletic content uh, out of this, but I think you'll find it. You'll, you'll see why it's beneficial to pop by these things. And you were there, what, 10 minutes before it started. And the players were all just kind of mulling around waiting to time forties and shuttles and all that stuff. And they're all just kind of standing around joking. And somebody's like, where's Lenny? And Lent Ferg was what I think he's probably at the buffet, man. That kid's a biscuit away from a left tackle. <laughs> yeah, B right was just like disparaging sophomore forty times or something like that. <laughs> yeah, 
and and Ferg was cracking jokes about about Lenny's uh, you know eating habits and and overall shape. So and that was back then Lenny was a biscuit away from a left tackle. He doesn't look anything like that now, but but it, but it got done and they like scurried off to where they had to like actually work or whatever. And Justin looked at me and he was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is gold. Like this is where the fun like." You don't get a lot of like info, info, but you get a much better grasp on like the camaraderie in that locker room and who the leaders are and who the guys we're going to be talking to at, at higher ground <laughs> that season are going to be. Uh, it was just, it was, a, it was a funny like one off thing where Justin was like, oh, yeah, yep, okay, I get it now. I get it. And the players get more comfortable with, with us, right? Because, yeah, we're not sticking a recorder in their face during that or anything like that, and, and they can kind of let their guard down a little bit. That's how Camp Higher Ground is too. It's always a lot of fun, but um, eh, somewhat. But it's a whole different. Again, it's like when they're coming off the field for practice, or right. you can get some jokes out of them, but it's not right. nearly working those those summer camps is is gold for everything yeah, that we do. I think that was the first like official thing i went to too yeah just like eh, man it was it was, it was fun i, I probably fun. shouldn't have probably shouldn't have gone out the night before in indy and then woke it up and decided to travel all that way but you know what well you get there it's 97 degrees in the shade oh, terrible in the middle of july mosquitoes you have jeans on you got to go all the way down to find somebody to give you a pair of shorts to borrow for the day <laughs> not great Pound their Gatorade. Um, I I had just one more question about the contract, uh, mm-hmm. the whole thing going on. How much of this is is also like a tip of the cap again to to John Cunningham, or is it, was it kind of just a foregone conclusion? Conclusion, you're a bit of a bonehead if you don't make this move right at this moment. Yeah, both of those, right? Like you know, John would be the first to tell you this wasn't a hard decision. Like you know, it doesn't take a genius athletic director to realize you need to extend Luke Pickle. <laughs> right. Right. But you you know you still got to do it, and it's not like yes, Cincinnati's going to the Big Twelve, but they're not just swimming in in money and, and resources and things like that. So you know, John Cunningham has to answer to the board of trustees and and Neville Pinto and you know all those kind of people. He also has to manage an entire athletic department that has a bunch of demands and resources. So no, as as easy as the decision is to like we need to keep Luke Fickle, you still got to give him credit for finding a way to, to make that happen and, and finding the money to make that happen. Absolutely. Well, how was your night last night? You know, it was, it, it was over by 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Un- unfortunately. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, hopefully we're done by the pod. So it can be over by 10 o'clock. But, uh, but uh, no, I mean, yeah. It, a lot like Saturday night too, but still, um, yeah. Anything else for Justin, guys? I, we need to keep him on for. We're we're going back to basketball talk after this, right? No. <laughs> God, I well, we're know. moving on up. <laughs> we're, yeah. Well, we'll Hicks see Nate you guys later. On the a- is, asket, basketball bay. We've got seconds <laughs> of skyline coming up. We'll see you guys later. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else for Jay? No, I'll see you tomorrow night, my friend. Phenomenal. That's right. Throwback, throwback jerseys. Where are you wearing any? Are you wearing throwback clothes to the seventies? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be smoking my rolled cigarettes and wearing like a pork pie hat with a, a pressed 
thing on, oh. on press row. Wow. Could be a good yeah. idea. Wow. Ab- absolutely like not. No, <laughs> I'll, I'll just, I'll just be, just be me. They're normal, but I appreciate you guys having me on. We Thanks, appreciate Justin. you joining Thanks, us. Appreciate you. Anytime, you know, I love you guys. Just let me know. This, this, this probably gets you out of us asking you to join us Friday for the 12 hour subathon. I I will be stateside, but if you guys need need some help, uh, need someone to to pop in at some point, let me know. I'll, I can I can maybe take away from a, a triple D rerun I've seen twelve times. To, to <laughs> well, I mean, we again. we could even get you. We could get you with the little one at like we could get you doing dishes. Yeah, I mean, if if you want the real insight into Justin <laughs> Williams' exciting life, really good at dishes. It, yeah, it, 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 I laugh. The laptop doing dishes. doing dishes. I mean, that would be the Justin Williams experience. That's that's my. That's gonna be my OnlyFans account. <laughs> you would be Just surprised. A, you might have a lot of subscribers in a, actually. In an apron, <laughs> a pair of elbow, boxers in an apron, elbow, elbow rubber gloves. Just in the in the suds. I'm wait, so uncomfortable wait a right can now. You, can you can you real quick just rewash that pan, please? <laughs> <laughs> you missed the spot, bro. You missed the spot. Don't want and the it, wife to get mad. I'm gonna whisper. Are we one more are thing. we still bottles? Are we still bottles, or have we moved on yeah, from bottles? Moved on? No, we moved on from bottles. But I mean, sippy cups. Well, no, there's Chad. You know this. Like they're they're coming back. So they're coming back. Yeah, you you know my situation. Oh yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> I, not yet. Not yet, but you got a couple months before they come back. Cu- couple months, and and we'll be we'll be back to bottles. Oh, do we wow. know yet? Is, is it? Do we know yet? Oh yeah, another girl. Four, three. Congratulations. Third, third and final. Snip oh. snip. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Hey Justin. Same. <laughs> Same. Aaron's got Aaron's got bottles in his future too. Hey. There you go. Kelly's no. broken, so I'm out. <laughs> no. <laughs> We have no. We can more. do the next one at three a.m. or some point in between feedings. I can hop on. She's she's come. She's got her and Kels are coming to the game Sunday. Oh really? The was that yeah. Temple? Yeah, they're coming to the Temple game. That's great. That so good. they'll uh, they'll think, be down. Are they gonna embarrass? Are they gonna embarrass you at, at work? They that probably yeah probably. <laughs> um, they're gonna be uh, second row behind the scores table. You know where I'm talking about. Mm. So. Yeah, they might. Kelsey's like, we'll be down by where you're working. I'm like, oh, no. No, you'll have much better seats so than you got, Danny. They got better seats <laughs> than we do. <laughs> Danny works from a much different perspective. You're going you're gonna to enjoy the game a lot more than me. All right, man. Enjoy, well, enjoy your Valentine's Day, what's left, and uh, make sure you knock out a double dose of dishes. Yeah, can I, can I whisper one last thing? Make sure that the other one does Thanks for making my Valentine's Day. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Justin. That got real weird. You, you, you guys are you guys are very welcome. I appreciate you. Talk All to right, you soon, Justin. brother. Thanks, See man. You guys. See you. Well, doesn't get any better than that. That was uh, that was fun. Uh, obviously, monster news. We can we can finally talk about it. The three of us kind of already rehashed everything we need to on it, but. I think more than anything, it's just further validation of two things. First off, 
everyone at UC that is making the decisions that need to be made are all in on Luke Fickle. And second off, Luke is a man of his word, and he is someone that truly believes that he can get everything done that he needs to get done here at the University of Cincinnati. So uh, two-part, it's just it's a, it's, a, it's a big thing. Obviously, it's a foregone conclusion. Everyone was waiting for it to happen, whatever the news is going to break, but just a monster, monster thing, of course, in the continuing development of the football program. Yeah, and here's, here's what I want to say when it comes to this. I, I understand why everybody asks incessantly, like throughout the, the, the end of the season and then right after the bowl game, What's the status of the contract extension? What's the status of the contract extension? What can you tell us? What can you tell us? Like, there was nothing to say because of what we found out today. John Cunningham is 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 uh, at or s- several steps ahead of you in that thought process. And Luke Fickle doesn't really give a shit. Like, it, he's he's not worried about it. He'll get to it. When he has some free time and he decides to get to it, but first he's going to look out for his assistants and he's going to look out for what he feels are the important steps that the program needs to take to move forward. That contract back in August of 2020, what was it? Assistant money, renovated locker room. What's happening right now? The locker room's being renovated. This time, more money for assistance, continue to elevate the salary pool, and let's get the bubble going. Let's get the indoor practice facility fast-tracked as much as possible. And what today shows, and, and Justin did a great job on this, and again, I love, like, this is how stuff works in our world. Justin was not interviewing Luke Fickle today to get scoop on his new contract. Right. As he said, it came out like three quarters of the way through an interview that comes out tomorrow that Justin does with Luke in the offseason. It's very similar to the interview that Luke grants to Bearcat Journal right before spring practice and right before uh, camp every year. Mm-hmm. Like, he just was talking to Luke. He said, what about the contract? And Luke's like, oh, yeah, that's done. Uh, I got that around here somewhere. Like, just it's so matter of fact. It's so, like commonplace to him it's so not something that he places hardly any priority on right and that is so unusual right in the world of college football Mm -hmm. to where everybody says i need more money for my assistants and i need this and i need that but i also need to make sure i get my 10 million dollars a year Right. Right. That's not Luke. And and he is a perfect fit for this city. He's a perfect fit for this program for those reasons. It's about as blue collar as it comes, right? Like, yeah. Just looking out let for me, you and yours. Let me take that seven figure raise, stick it in my drawer and get back to it in two months. You well, imagine, I, Can you imagine? Can you imagine somebody brings you- me a seven figure raise? I'm signing it in blood. <laughs> instantly like uh i don't have a pen but i've got this paper clip punk <laughs> shed <laughs> brendel well execute 
I mean, you saw the same same thing when you know it was it was college football playoff bowl uh, preparations, and the Notre Dame job comes open, and or or no, it, that was before the Houston game, and, yeah. and the Notre Dame job comes open, and in every press conference, Luke said, "No, I, no, I, yeah, of course they can they can reach out, but I'm not gonna." I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to do anything because we're playing for a championship. You know, I'm, I'm focused on this team and, and getting to a championship after that. To, he yeah. meant it to the extent he wasn't going to negotiate with his own fucking boss. Right. Exactly. Like <laughs> I'm not talking about my future right now. I'm worried about these guys. Right. And, and what's what, you know, what's ahead of us. That's unbelievable. Like in today's day and age and, and where coaching is, uh, right now, Cincinnati fans, realize how lucky you are to have this guy running the show. It, it's You'll never see anything like it again because there's just not anybody like him. It's not that, it's not that like you can you can prioritize. We got to go find another Luke Fickle. You won't because there's not any. <laughs> they don't exist. One of one. And uh, today is just another example of that, man. It, it, like, it, Justin called me right before the story dropped, and he's like, "So, uh, just want to give you a heads up. Uh, I had my my off season thing with Luke today, and uh, he dropped the contract extension on me, and I'm getting ready to publish the story." And I was like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> first, <laughs> first off, but like, both of us have those stories of that's how it happens. Like you just happen to get Luke at the right time and you get the story uh, if it didn't go to Pete Thamel first. Pete must not have called him today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I wonder what Pete thought when he saw it. He was like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's a big one. Luke. And look, there's never, I told Justin this this afternoon, there's never been a more time appropriate story in the history of Cincinnati sports for a town Shoot, right? that today was just like, uh, so sad. And then Justin, like Luke fickle, 2028, let's go. Like, <laughs> well, no, it, it, it was perfect because there was, like I said, I went into my bubble. I don't look at social media. I, I don't turn on the TV. All of a sudden my Cincinnati group chat blows up with that. And it's just like, all is normal in the world again. <laughs> and as is in sports, there's always next year. Blah blah blah. So I you know it was it was awesome. Um I don't know. Really, really awesome. Yeah, for sure. Aaron So I guess what's that? I guess we'll try to get Brady on next week and see what he thinks about sticking <laughs> around until 2028. Because those two have said he ain't leaving, I ain't leaving. So, damn sure locked in. There's no doubt. Aaron, it's about mailbag time, isn't it? This is uh, we're getting pretty close. I was gonna, I was gonna just say, uh, I I guess we should just continue riding the high. Uh, unless I was gonna ask you guys just what happened at the Super Bowl because you know what you guys kind of did for the game and what you kind of took in along those lines. But uh, we can go straight into the mailbag if you don't want to talk about that. I mean, I we had a pretty we had a pretty chill time at the house. Uh, had some family over and uh, watched the game and 
saw the ending and just kind of shit, <laughs> right? Like, mm. sucked. I, it, I, hurt. it hurt. They, yeah. you know, they played a great game in the Super Bowl. They couldn't, they couldn't get the offense going in the second half. The Rams. And we talked about how in both the the Tennessee and Kansas City games, Cincinnati was the team that made adjustments at halftime. Um, the the Rams made the pertinent adjustments at halftime, finding a way to get their defensive line one on one with guys that couldn't block them, uh, mm-hmm. especially Aaron Donald on Nakeem Adeniji and Trey Hopkins, um, and the the Rams played better down the stretch. I, I, Tony Pike said today, like the Bengals played a, a better game. I don't, I don't fully agree with that. I thought, I thought the Rams were clearly better early. Then OBJ gets hurt, and I thought it took the Rams a while to adjust. Um, but once they did, I mean, the Rams. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I'd say the Rams were clearly a better team. I don't know that I'd say the Bengals were clearly a better team. I thought it was two mostly evenly matched teams. And the Rams played the better fourth quarter. And yes, there were some unfortunate officiating calls. Yes, there were some head-scratching decisions by the Bengals coaching staff. Hopefully, this is a lesson to Zach Taylor. Uh, Hopefully, his mentor taught him something. When you're in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, stars matter. Like, Oh, you mean Sean McVay, not Tommy Tuberville. Right. Stars matter. Who were the guys that stepped up and got it done for the Rams? Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup. The Bengals turned to Samaj P. Yeah. But the Bengals turned, my point being, the Bengals turned to Samaj P. Ryan and Eli Apple. That ain't it, bro. That ain't it. That ain't it. Aaron, how was your night other than... uh... The, the obviously down part. Well, I mean, I know that there's a question in the mailbag too in the banks portion that we'll get to more of the Super Bowl. But, um, I mean, we had family over. It was cool. Uh, you know, for three and a half quarters, you were excited. And then, as is typical Cincinnati fashion, you find a way to not win a game. Um, and, and this was a new and interesting one. We haven't seen this one before. Um, so that was, that was that. No, I think uh, we see, I mean, it was, it, it wasn't different, much different than the 49ers Super Bowls. You haven't seen it before. Correct. <laughs> it wasn't much different. It was two very evenly matched teams that the, the other team made the play. And since, look, if Cincinnati gets that first down, they win the game. Yeah. They win the game. Yeah. I, I have no doubt in my mind, Burrow gets them another six, seven yards. And McPherson make at least they send the game to overtime, and right. and you see what happens in overtime. Um, frustrating. It was frustrating. It was. But as I said at the beginning of the show, this team's about two or three years ahead of schedule, and about twenty four hours after. I mean, I'm still a little hungover about all of it. Uh, not not just because I I consumed a heavy amount of alcohol last night, but but also. How about how about about this guy? We had agreed that we were going to take a night off from the bounce, um, (laughs) so that Aaron could watch the Super Bowl. Oh, from the you mean from the nightcap? 
or from the nightcap. Yeah, we're gonna take yeah. a night off from the nightcap. We hadn't taken right. a night off in over a week. Right. Uh, we do six nights a week. We give ourselves one night off. Um, so I had agreed, like I'll give you a night off. And Aaron was so distraught. Like twenty minutes after the game, he called me and he's like, "You want to do a bow? Or you want to do a nightcap?" <laughs> I was like, "No, I don't want to do a nightcap. I'm not in the mood for that. And I've been I've been drinking for." six hours now no i don't want to no i said good me either <laughs> yeah you wanted to do one to like get your mind off of things that's why you called i don't know what we would have talked about anyway i mean i guess marquise copeland winning a, a super yeah, bowl marquise ring. copeland winning a super bowl that would have been marquise good for Love marquise good. great team. yeah not not many teams out there that can say they have the uh quarterback wide receiver duo quite that the Bengals have so uh future's bright safe to say oh they've got a, a very interesting offseason yeah that uh it, I'm, it, it'll be tracked very closely things are going to start happening fast because you're in the super bowl there's always um kind of that post super bowl like the losing team has a super bowl hangover a bit uh the following year i i I don't worry about that as much from this team because I think this team is genuinely going to be pretty hungry yeah. to uh, to get back at it. But, I mean, you look at they swept the Steelers, they swept the Ravens. Is that going to happen again next year? That's mm. tough. And, and <laughs> don't look at the schedule. Yeah, I don't want to look at the schedule right now. Because um, you know what happens? You know what? There's Here's my two things going into the offseason. One, I worry about the schedule because you have First place Titans, team. New England, Kansas City. You've got a pretty tough matchup in the uh, the conference, the the opposite conference, and the uh, AAC AFC conference that you're playing in full. Um, it's going it's going to be a it's going to be a war to get right. back to the playoffs for this team next year. Here's the other thing, and I haven't heard this talked about yet, but now that I mention it, watch. It'll start popping up everywhere. Duke Tobin and the scouting department have typically been really good drafting early, right? Right. When they've drafted early, they've been able to reset and rebuild the franchise. Mm -hmm. What has happened when they've had those stretches of making the playoffs four or five years in a row, right? They have not been good at drafting in the 20s, late 20s, 30s now. Well, Duke Tobin's never drafted this late, and he's – I mean, honestly, he, it's kind of the same thing. They're just without a first-round pick and instead picking very, very early in the second round. It's not like the same thing, Aaron. It's no. like the same thing. It's fine. Just early, no. early in the second round. It's fine. <laughs> no. You want to you go through those early, early first-rounders? that Moving Palmer, A.J. Green <laughs> – uh, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, they've they've hit some some monster home runs early in that first round. Now they're going to be at 31, and they're going to have to draft from the back of the pack. And... I hope they trade it. Trade it for a lineman, but... We'll, we'll get to all of that. I'm just yeah. saying the history of Duke Tobin is that their, their, scout, their small scouting staff has been very good at drafting early. They're going to have to get a lot better than what they've shown in the first couple rounds drafting at the back end. I think uh, they have cheap stars right now. Right and, now, yeah. Right. And so 
you got to strike when the iron's hot this offseason. Got Pocket a lot of second. money to throw around, and you got to yeah. you got to attack. So you got to get rid of you got to bounce Hopkins and Waynes. I think that saves you another seventeen million. That'll give you almost eighty million dollars to play with to sign your guys and go get people want to play. Like, play with I don't. I, too. I don't. I don't want Gronk. Uh, no, I don't want <laughs> draft picks as the answer to the offensive no. line. Agreed. I want. I want dudes. I want. 26, 27, 28 year old guys that have started quite a bit of games, proven their merit. They've got a track yeah. record. I don't think we had Kinda Austin like the Gale defense, on. Right? Kind of like the defense. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly like the defense. We had Austin Gale on last year and he talked about this. Uh, and I had, I had him on radio when I was in for Mo. He said, You don't have to go sign the top free agent offensive lineman. What you need to do is be at the top of that middle or the bottom of that first group right. and have your evaluations on point. So what you get are veteran quality guys that fit that are going to be able to become a group of five. Right. right. Agreed. Agreed. Don't, uh, that's not to say don't draft offensive linemen. Just don't draft offensive linemen with the idea of Jackson Carmen. This is right. our starter. Well, what mm-hmm. happens when it doesn't work? You have to fucking play Hakeem Adeneje against Aaron Donald, who got who got baby cradled back into Joe Burrow like four times last night. Boom, roasted. <laughs> um, before we get into the mailbag on that note, yeah. Um, do we want to talk about Friday before before we we, we can move? talk about Friday? We're this thing's. Growing. I want to say one more thing. Just just one more thing. The so this is getting compared, at least from what I've seen, before I shut everything down. Just kind of like the similar to the incident when it came to Cincinnati basketball. Brent, if, but, if you're going to talk about the last couple plays, no, no, we have a question no, in the mailbag on that. I'm All not. Right. I'm not. Just I'm just saying that the the, the greatest thing about pro sports is the fact that you kind of control your own destiny. And after the incident, you were saying goodbye to some some legends, some guys that were the cream of the crop for the Bearcats for years. Uh, so in, in college sports, you got to say goodbye. But when it comes to professional football, there's always next year. And there's always a chance to keep those heavy pieces in the program for as long as you can. So that's it. I think the one thing I do love with the Bengals. To Nashville, that's it. Yeah. I think I do think with the Bengals, what I love is that they do seem to have a defense now that clicks like that that's going to be for the most part together and that are on the same page because make no mistake they got to the super bowl on the strength of that defense and they damn near won the super bowl on the strength of that defense Mm -hmm. all right so talk about friday guys so friday we chad and i are going to be doing a -a subathon it's only going to be on youtube not going to be on the streaming platforms on twitter and facebook as we traditionally are when we are live Uh, but we will be live from noon until midnight and we are going to be bringing in guests we're going to have some giveaways i don't know how much you want to talk about either of those those things chad so we, we we have a title sponsor uh our good friends of 513 shirts are uh, are going to title sponsor the subathon. You're going to have to be watching. You're going to have to be subscribed in order to win the prizes. You have to like. But we're going to be giving away something 
Like and comment. Like, subscribe, also. comment, watch, all that shit. You're glad. But we're going to be giving away something every hour, guaranteed, from 513 Shirts. And then I'm going to talk to Danco. Uh, I'm going to talk to um, Galactic and uh, and see if we can get uh, maybe a couple giveaways there as well. We already have a very special guest scheduled. If that makes sense, if you're if you're listening, this doesn't make any sense to you. But we already have a very special guest scheduled uh, who will be in Mexico uh, on vacation and still taking some time out of his day to join us. Told you he was um, going to Mexico. You're right. You're right. That's the first. That, that's the first Mexico, Mexico trip. That's the first Mexico trip I know of. The rest, Amy must have decided Mexico. I think Luke's a Florida guy. Uh, so they're they, you know. The, the, we'll, we'll get a visit from him. Uh, I don't know if we can get a visit from him because it's it, there's so many games right in a row. Uh, I don't know if that one's going to be possible, but maybe we'll try to get a late late night visit from Wes. Uh, we have a former Bearcat basketball great that's going to join us. Uh, a second former Bearcat basketball great that's going to join us. Uh, one that played on the wing for Huggins, one that played point guard for Mick Cronin and played in the Sweet 16. If you catch my drift, if you're watching here. Um, you, I think you so were, you, you, you kind of came out, but this is what you were doing. Yeah, there right we go. There, there. Money. Um, we're working on a couple football guests. I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe hit up Tobes. Let's see if Tobes wants to pop on with us at some point in time. Tobes everybody loves when when Tobes going. pops on. So here's the thing: I know everybody's not going to be able to watch 12 hours straight. We're not even going to uh, be able to talk 12 hours straight, which is oh, why I'm we're bringing guests. That's why we're bringing guests. <laughs> I could do 12 hours of straight talking. I might I might make my um, cheese coney sliders. Uh, live on on stream at some point in time. I'll probably make lunch uh, for me and me and Kelly uh, at some point during that sh- during the show. Uh, it's going to be goofy. It's going to be silly. We are going to have a lot of guests. We're going to have giveaways. The goal is to get us to one thousand subscribers on YouTube, uh, so we can monetize. So Aaron can eat. Yes. Um, uh, keep an eye though on our Twitter pages on Facebook. We're gonna continuously throughout the day post updates when there are guests on. So those of you who are working uh, can try and hop on during those segments because timestamps are going to be very difficult. I think to try and (laughs) talk about what the hell we did for correct. 12 hours, 12 hours. I'm also imagining that there may be some pops opening up around, you know, the, the dark hours, Yeah, Uh, seven 38 o'clock. I'm guessing we're going to have a few drinks to get us to midnight. Yeah. So it should be a it should be a wild ride. Four hours. I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking. Uh, Brent might be hopping in. Dave might be hopping in. Uh, the guys from PTP, my guys Ed and Jeff might be popping in. Um, but it should be a lot of fun. Shane from Galactic, Joe from Danco, Mike from uh, Mike from Five One Three. Um, Aaron doesn't want to talk about the fourth down screenshot. And well, yeah, again, Daryl, 
Daryl, we all saw it, Daryl. Again, there's stuff in the mailbag. We'll get to it. <laughs> Daryl, we all saw it. <laughs> all of us. Darryl. All right, let's mailbag it. But Friday, noon to midnight, we'll be right here on YouTube the entire time. We're going to have day. a entire day. We're going to have a long list of guests, giveaways, uh, shenanigans, antics, uh, all kinds of different stuff. Maybe if you're lucky, we'll we'll send you a link and you can pop on and have a segment to join us. Uh, who knows what's... I don't know what... I'm not responsible for what for I do any- over a 12-hour stream. Correct. Ooh. Ooh. Who knows? That's a tease. But make plans. Like at your desk, put up the second... Like, you know, you got two, you got two screens on the second screen. Put up the YouTube channel. Watch, subscribe, like, win prizes, listen to great interviews, and and have a Friday with us. All right, I think that uh, that's our. God, I hope they win Thursday night. Same. Oh my God, I don't want to. I don't want to do a subathon after a loss. Oh no. no. All right, so we do have the mailbag, uh, as always. Timestamp, y'all. I did already. I'm just. I haven't said it the whole time. I just wanted to – it felt good. I needed to throw it in there. All right. So first question from the football mailbag. There is a dead period right now, right? When does that end? Dead period is February. February 1st, February 28th. It ends February 28th. And that explains why Unless I Unless it's a leap year? Sure. Uh, I, well, that would depend on what the NCAA calendar looked like that year. That be this good? year, February is a dead period. <laughs> and uh, that would explain why Luke Fickle is going to be out of country on vacation. So uh, Aaron Donald was one and two against UC at Pitt. Seeing as he is now considered the best player in the NFL, would you consider him the best pro that would have played against UC in recent memory? Yeah. He's yeah, being talked he about now be... as a top three Player Top three time. defender in the history of the NFL. Up there with yeah. like Reggie White. And Lawrence Taylor is the best defensive LT, player in the history sure. of the NFL. So you're looking at a top three, literally, of like LT, Reggie White, Aaron Donald. So he's, he he's the best one UC's played against in, in recent memory. Uh, other names. Uh, my favorite. Oh, you're okay, Daryl. We're just joking around. It's okay. Yeah. Daryl, all you did was you just, just made me cry for a it second. Still hurts. Just, <laughs> it still hurts. It still hurts. Join in the sadness, Daryl. I think my favorite that, that UC played against that ended up being, I don't know if he's an all-time great, but he was definitely one of the best backs of his generation was, was Shady, was Sean McCoy. Yeah. Like there was something about him when he was at Pitt that you were just like, that dude's going to make a lot of money in the NFL. I only I only saw really one other guy that I thought was going to have that type of NFL career that played against UC, um, and injuries just kind of derailed it. And uh, Ryan Matthews that played for Fresno, Fresno State, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then that guy's legs, his thighs were yeah, he was a beast. And then the uh, the off field stuff kind of ruined the other the running back from Rutgers career. Ray Rice, he was yeah. Ray Rice was was outstanding as well. Yeah. Um, And then I'm trying to think, like, would 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 be Tim Tebow, who was the best 
quarterback. I mean, Teddy, you could Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy B. Yeah, Teddy. Um, you could probably Russell Wilson, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, that Florida 09 team had Dunlap, <laughs> like, Spikes. Uh, Pouncey, Hernandez, uh, Hernandez, like uh, Tebow, Riley Cooper. Yeah, Tebow. they were. That was Marvin, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was an unbelievable. Like you could pick eight guys on that team that were <laughs> as good as anybody UC played against. Um, well, how about the Ohio State teams too? Uh, did they? Uh, I guess Chase Young. Yeah. Chase Young was definitely um, elite. Uh, I won't put Eli Apple in that group because uh, Chris Chris Moore hung his nuts in Eli Apple's mouth that whole game. <laughs> um, I did. I I I had a tweet last night. I thought should have got more love, and it it was just a bad dad joke that didn't hit. I was kind of upset. Somebody asked why Eli Apple didn't turn his head on that final touchdown pass, and I just replied that apples don't have necks. So I'm sorry for him. <laughs> I booed myself on that one. I was I was hoping dad joke Twitter would catch on it, but they didn't. It it bum, does bum, kind bum, of, bum, it's kind of none of those West Virginia guys ever really made it. Like Steve Slayton and Tavon Austin and White. Yeah, and yeah, Pat, Pat White. White. I mean, they they were McAfee, so good. McAfee made it. McAfee was good. Yeah. I don't know if Pac-Man. I'm imagining Pac-Man was on one of those teams. Chris Henry was on one of those teams. Yeah. Uh, I'll say Chris Henry for sure. Pac-Man I think probably. they were one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's some good players. I and we're we're definitely missing some some big ones. I didn't sure. have time to look at these before, but Aaron Donald is for sure the, the number best. one. Yeah, number the one. Best. Right. Ben. Who? Big Ben, ben Roethlisberger. Uh, yeah. Yeah, true. That's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. All right, next question. Uh, Who do you think could have been the brightest star if their career wasn't hindered by injuries? This this is all – this is Bearcats? I I read the question as written. Bearcats on the football football group? Walt. Walt. Yeah. Walt was, tra- Walt was already on the cusp right. of being an elite player. Right. And then just in the matter of one week, it was over. I mean, Isaiah P didn't really pan out too much. And then his career but he was, was he wasn't injured for his injury. Could you yeah, make no, an argument yeah. for Ben Mock? Ben was hurt before he got here. Well, but that's the question just but says. Ben probably doesn't wasn't... come here. Possibly, yeah. He probably stays where he's at if you know he stays at Wake Forest if he if he stays healthy. Uh, if we're talking like, yeah, Craig Moore hit hit it right on the button, but but he won. Did he win rookie of Greg the year? Cook, yeah, he Greg Cook. Yeah, he was. Then, and then got uh, that next uh, Bill year. Walsh said he was like the best quarterback he's ever seen. Yeah. Uh, Demar, if we're counting injuries that didn't happen at UC. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, DeMar breaking his neck was awful. I still think the Kenyon injury still had – and he, he still got his bounce back and everything, but it took away from the initial just like – Yeah, somewhat. 
he wasn't yeah, quite the player he could have been, <clears throat> especially if they didn't screw up. <clears throat> they screwed up the initial surgery. Mm-hmm. When it when it broke, they put the pin in backwards. Oh my god! Um, and he had to go. He had to be rushed to to a second surgery to put the pin in correctly in his leg. So, uh, honorable mention, uh, whoever it was that injured Jacob Evans shot in Las Vegas or however that story goes, uh, <laughs> that really hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. In light of the fickle extension news, top three things you would each have in your own personal barn. Ooh. Podcast studio, like podcast slash streaming studio. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Show without question. Yep. Uh, we'll we'll draft it. I'll I'll go first. We'll go snake draft. Uh, Brent, you get to go, you get second pick. Aaron, you get two picks coming up next. All right. Uh, full court basketball court. Still, no, no doubt, no doubt. Aaron, All right, Aaron. I'd I'd want a gaming room, like something with a big ass screen and also some arcade style games, mm-hmm. like an air hockey table, billiard table, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I'd want just an incredible sound system. Okay. Also, yeah. I'm going uh, full kitchen. I want I want it nice, stocked all the time, like a beautiful pantry, stocked twenty four seven. So you're worried about the pantry court. more than the appliances? Yeah. No, no. I've got I've got a court and a and a doggone brand new kitchen. I'm 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 off to a great start. All right, pick number two. I would go uh, theater room, okay. barn setting, theater room right there with the uh, rows of like uh, the the reclining theater seats that you see are so popular now. Uh, I would go a a a fat. I've got so I've got one one third of the barn for a podcast streaming studio, half of the barn as a theater room and i've got one third of the barn left to work with on my final pick send it back which is well no you oh no it's not i get yeah a bar (laughs) okay like a sports bar set up tvs yeah yeah so i took your shit that's right well well so my kitchen is kind of like a bar but it's gonna have a sports book setting as well so I've got basketball court, sports book setting, bunch of bunch of you know seating, and then you just look up and it's like fifty TV screens. So yeah, this is a oh man, come one, come all, Aaron. Places have- to eat from off of the kitchen too. Yeah, like tables and you know dining areas. Exactly. Got I'd also I'd also want a half court somewhere in there. I don't know that I could do a full court with the gaming room that I want, but I'd at least want a half court in there. Um, and maybe it works out because I get tired. I'm not, I'm not trying to run full court. <laughs> there we go. That's pretty good. Did you see the, right. the PMT video, the, the PM, the yak video from LA? Oh God. They were so playing bad. full court 21. That was so bad. No. And the rule was Aaron, you couldn't score on the same basket twice. So no, if thanks. somebody scored, you had to go all the way to the other side to score the next basket and every time a basket was scored you went back and forth now the one thing they, they did scoring smart in basket. Was, <laughs> the one thing they did smart was they weren't playing to 21 it was just that if you scored you were out 
Like you were, you were okay. And then the last person that was left was the loser. Yeah. I'm, I'm good on that. <laughs> All right. Um, in the 2017 football seasons, UC went four and eight under Fickle and Bengals seven and nine with Marvin Lewis having one more season before being fired. At that point, which would you have said was most slash least likely to happen these four seasons later? A UC assistant coach would be named head coach of Notre Dame. UC would be in the CFP or the Bengals making the Super Bowl. I, I, I still think I'm going Bengals in the Super Bowl. Yeah, because it's the NFL. Like you're one. Joe Burrow away from being relevant, essentially. Well, and I think the least likely is an assistant at UC rising so fast that in four years they're the head coach at Notre Dame. I was saying, I was saying Bengals being least likely because no, not to in the be, NFL, man. To be in the Super Bowl, we couldn't win. NFL. We couldn't win a playoff game. Yeah, but the, the NFL like, every year there's talk about all the teams that went from last in the division to end of the playoffs like that. I mean, I also thought Tom Brady would play until he was 58. So the bigger anomaly, Aaron, is that the Bengals went 31 years without winning a playoff game. Like that's fucking hard to do, man. Yeah. The way that the NFL is set up, like, and especially the Bengals had a, in, in a 15 year period, the Bengals had nine years of having really good teams and never won a playoff game. Like, that's almost impossible. It wasn't like they were the Lions, who stunk for that entire period of time. It almost made the Bengals more laughable because they kept getting there and losing in ways that were just like, what is happening? Why is this happening to us? Still saying it would be... Pretty unlikely. Although, I guess you could make it's that same less, argument. It's less unlikely than Cincinnati making the college football playoffs and a Cincinnati assistant in four years going from coordinator at Cincinnati after getting fired at Purdue, right? Remember that? Fired at Purdue, coming to Cincinnati and turning that into head coach at Notre Dame in five years? That's well, but, unfucking believable. But they didn't say it. it had to be the Marcus Freeman route. You know what I mean? So it could have been like one where like this guy was here for like one season, like an out like out Washington or something, just blowing up and and then all of a sudden with after three years at Notre Dame, he gets a promotion. Mine mine is the college football playoff. Um, when's the last time Notre Dame hired an assistant? I, I is, it, is, it, is the answer never? Because I I don't know the answer. I don't think ever. <laughs> you okay over there? Sorry, I'm I'm hitching my wagon to, to college football playoff just because uh, the uh, the Tuberville years were were quite sad, and the Butch Jones years showed us that maybe Brian Kelly just was that special of a coach. And then one of those two. It's either yeah. the no game thing or Cincinnati making the CFP. It's one. But of they those. were all equally extremely far fetched. Yeah. Yeah. If I'd have told you in the 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 you know the the early winter of 2017, like January 17, just have patience, everybody. In five years, Cincinnati's going to be playing for a college football championship, and the Bengals are going to be in the Super Bowl. With where those places were at at that at that those moments in time, 
Get out of here. <laughs> I'm not listening to a word you say, you moron. That's fine. <laughs> All right. The speeds that Brady posts, do the Bearcats use the same technology as the NFL? Are these speeds comparable? Just wondering, would not doubt if UC uses a $1,000 handheld gun while the NFL uses a $10,000 machine on a tripod. Thanks. You really think they're like timing them with like the gun that is they, in the radar of like a police cruiser? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but somebody did come back and answer. Uh, they don't use a handheld gun. They use vests made by a pretty popular yeah. brand called Catapult that tracks the player's speeds. So yeah, that was answered on it, the it's board. A, it's a technology that, and it's not even really a vest as much as it's like a. I guess they're a shoulder. Like it's kind of a vest. But it's something that attaches to your body and and uh, determines like your RPMs or like your speed. Um, so it's a pretty advanced technology that's very similar to what they use in the NFL. All right, moving on to the basketball portion of the mailbag, bringing the hard hitting questions after the latest underwhelming basketball performance. Does John Newman the third have eyebrows? I don't know. Does he? Well, Aaron, can you pull up a picture? I am working on that right now. I don't actually read these questions as I copy and paste them. I just John. I'm. I don't remember. Like I don't. I don't have an opinion one way or on the other as if he does have eyebrows or not. So, I'm seeing. I'm seeing a little bit of an eyebrow. I also am seeing some eyebrow. Not a lot. It's not a thick eyebrow. Not a prominent eyebrow. Right. You got to be careful with your eyebrows. My my mother-in-law one time, like, shaved her eyebrows trying to, like, be fashionable to, like, you know, pencil them in. And they never grew back. So now she has to pencil in her eyebrows every day because she, she shaved her eyebrows and the eyebrow gods were like, that's it. <laughs> You're out. That was that was interesting. You guys didn't find that funny. I mean, I don't I don't know what to make of any of that. I'm I'm looking at pictures of John Newman. Does he have eyebrows? He's got some eyebrows. There, yeah. There's there's like a faint outline where I'm not, he just doesn't have thick eyebrows. Right. So, yeah. He's got good, thin eyebrows. Good good question. Yeah. Uh, if if you were coach, what would your focus be on the rest of the season? Would you roll out the same starting lineup with the struggles of many of them? I don't. I, I guess I thought there was more to that. So, if you were coach, what would your focus be on the rest of the season? Would you roll out the same starting lineup with the struggles of many of them? How excited or worried are you for the next two years of this program? Uh, you play to win the game. You, you put the team on the floor that you best feel gives you a, an opportunity to win the game. Yes, there's some development involved in that, but that's that's how college sports work because you only get four or five years with these guys. Uh, so you're trying to develop the back of your roster to become the front of your roster. But at the end of the day, you're trying to win the game in front of you. You're, you're never making decisions that uh, go in go in uh, opposite of that core belief. Um, as Mick Cronin famously said, and it's one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard live in a press conference, every October they tie you to the tracks, and it's your job to be untied by, by March. Like, the train's coming. So you better get the hell off the tracks or else the train's going to run you over and you're not going to have a job. 
So while there are some considerations maybe for like this guy is, is, is improving and we need to maybe increase his uh, time in the rotation, that is always with the caveat of it also gives us a better chance to win the game tomorrow or today or however you want to look at it. Um, I think if you had seen anybody really standing out, you would have seen that happen already. And I just don't sure. think that we've seen it happen. I don't think Wes is one like he's got to go with this starting five and that's it. The end. I, I think it's just a matter of, we haven't seen anybody elevate to that, that point to, to crack into let's, the let's, starting five. Let's, let's look at it like this. Play Abdullah do less for who? Right. Abdullah do has been the best center on the team. So he's playing the most minutes. He's not playing all the minutes. He's not playing 37 minutes a game, but he's been the best guy. So he's playing the most minutes. Jeremiah Davenport has been the best guy at the four. So he's playing the most minutes. Flaws, warts, and all. John Newman has been the best guy at the three. Like, on and on and on. The, 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 the conversations are pretty easy when you really get down to it as far as why are these the five guys that are playing six guys that are playing the most minutes? Because they've played better than the guys behind them. And the goal is always, 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 always. I mean, unless maybe it's different if you're three and 17 at some point in the season, right? Mm -hmm. Where it doesn't matter. But Cincinnati's not in that situation. You play to win the game. Well, and the second part of that question was how excited or worried are you for the next two years of this program? I'm excited. I think Wes Miller is a really, really good coach, and I'm excited to see where he takes the program. The people right. that are the people that are shitting on Wes Miller right now are the people that shit on Luke Fickle at four and eight. And I, I'm watching. I see the same people doing the same thing. Brent, I know you're the eternal optimist. How excited are you about the next two years of this program? Well, first part of the question, I'm all about raising confidence, and so. I think with this group, the biggest way to do that is win win games no matter which way you can. There's not many selfish players on this team at all. So uh, winning games, I think, would build confidence more than getting the younger guys out there and you know throwing them into the fire type situation. Um, and then secondly, very, very excited for the next couple of years. Yeah, figured as much. Uh, same. Well, I mean, Aaron. I'm also excited because, you know, I love this basketball program in general, and I think they made a fantastic hire with Wes. I, I have not swayed from that belief, and I'm excited to see what he can do with a, a full year of recruiting under his belt, with a full off season under his belt, and just kind of getting into that over the course of the next two years, I think is only going to build as we move into the Big 12. So mm -hmm. You're also one of a small number of people that has kind of gotten a peek behind the curtain. Sure. So, like – you're not just speaking on that from a, a wild guess, right? Like you're speaking on that from you've watched practices and seen these interactions and you have an understanding for it. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I don't think that it's, you know, crazy talk to believe in a coach. Like, I don't think it's blind belief, like blind faith to, to just believe in Wes Miller as a coach, at least not from where I sit. Um, it's, it's just, actually believing in a guy who I think can instill that into the players that he has gotten for to play for him this year and uh, is working on bringing in for the next couple of years. So agree. Uh, 
If West thought enough of AJ McGinnis to bring him to UC, why is he only getting walk-on minutes? Every other player has at least had a chance to show their stuff. Doghouse or injury? It's been injury and illness related, like that set him behind. And I just don't think people have a grasp for like he had a bad ankle sprain, a high ankle sprain that kept him out. And then he got sick. It wasn't COVID, but he had like a a viral, you know, flu type deal that set him back another week and a half, two weeks. And when you have an injury that sets you back three weeks and an illness that sets you back two weeks, and those weeks are most of November and December, guess what happens? The team plays, the team practices, the team has games. And you kind of slide down that list of being ready. And then by the time you are ready, everybody is basically two months ahead of you. And that's really difficult for a kid that doesn't have a lot of experience to begin with. Like, if you're talking, you know, like Sean Kilpatrick, his sophomore year, they would have found a way when he got back to get him back on the floor. Right. But AJ, he just, he's kind of had a bad deal, a bad, bad hand dealt to him. And it's nobody's fault. Like there's not anything anybody can do to fix it. It Just kind of happened. Which guard are you going to sit for that matter to put AJ in? I mean, what do you, do you, do you drop Mason's minutes to zero or, or, or like cutting Mason's minutes in half is not, feasible he's playing like eight minutes a game and you're not taking anything away from ddj yeah and and you're not taking anything away from newman even though we you want him to score more than he has the past four or five games but he's got to be on the floor for 25 27 minutes minimum so it's just a tough spot for aj right now uh the cards did not break in his favor for sure it's be interesting next year. Yeah. So, uh, given that we hit 12 threes and scored 77 points, would you say the loss was mostly attributed to bad defense or Tulsa hitting numerous very tough shots? I didn't think Tulsa hit a ton of tough shots. I thought no, the defense was atrocious. Well, you talked about on the nightcap how many layups they hit. It was, yeah. it was And how many layups Cincinnati missed for that matter. Cincinnati did not defend well in any phase of the game on Saturday. It was, it was bad. It was bad, bad, bad. Like I know what I'm watching on defense a lot more than I know what I'm watching on offense. Um, I didn't see good communication. I didn't see good rotations. I didn't see good on ball defense. I didn't see good off ball defense. There were a lot of backdoor cuts for baskets. There were a lot of straight line drives for baskets there. It just was, a terrible, terrible defensive showing from the Bearcats. Terrible. Like, I thought, like, when they played Memphis, I thought Memphis made a bunch of really tough guarded shots that there's not a whole lot you can do. Like, you just, hey, they didn't run good offense. Their offense was stagnant and flat. We did what we had to do on defense. And then they jumped up over us and shot it in. Sometimes that happens. That wasn't what happened with Tulsa. It was bad defense. Brent, anything you want to add on that? 
Uh, it was a layup line for Tulsa. <laughs> so it's about it, man. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of wrapped it up with the bow, but yeah, it was it was it was bad defense. Well, there's a question that came in about five minutes ago that I didn't get to add to the uh, to the to the banners here. Uh, but Bob Huggins, player, but coach, was I open? Huggins, you were open for a reason. They want you to shoot. Hugs is right, isn't he? Ask it on the West Virginia board. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there you have it. He doesn't coach here anymore. He hasn't coached here since 2005. Stop. <laughs> All right. Do you guys want to talk about Bob Huggins every week? We got we got two la- two last questions here on the betting side. <laughs> um, after listening to Chad talk about his love of onions, I have a question for y'all. Timestamp it. What is the one alcoholic beverage that you have been victimized by, and by, and just tasting or smelling makes you gag? Follow up question: Since the potato gives us chips, French fries, and vodka, are the other vegetables even trying, or did they concede the crown to potatoes? P.S. I'm not killing Aaron this week so I can lull him into false sense of security and then BAM! Murdered by uncooked onions. <laughs> and, and by the way, just to go back to that last question, um, you were open for a reason they want you to shoot. He, he Typically right, yes. If you're wide open, they're not guarding you. They're not guarding you for a reason. I don't, I don't want to be a total asshole. Uh, I just wanted to make the point that I... I but Darian Jackson for Tulsa is not a good three-point shooter. Yeah, don't leave guys wide open. Because when you have rhythm shots, these are still college players on scholarship. Right. D. Davis was shooting like 20% from three when Larry oh, Davis decided to let him shoot five open threes in the Crosstown shootout. Terrible. <laughs> um, so back to the skins question. Uh, for I me, to, I was trying to ignore him. For, <laughs> for me, the uh, the alcohol that I can't smell or any of that is uh uh southern comfort Mm. it's uh the worst i had a horrible experience with that um and as for the vegetables i think he hit that nail right on the head potatoes are the best and that's not even including mashed potatoes which might be my favorite form of potato Mm, very good um I don't really like I had a, a bad experience with like a uh you know in college they make those like uh did they just pour everything into one like jungle, jungle juice, juice or whatever yeah jungle juice and it was the the flavor was kind of grape um and I got sick off of it so like I don't do a lot of grape juice anymore and it might be why I don't really care for wine also yeah. uh it's just the, the grape the the grape experience um there's there's really only one alcohol i don't really care for gin i can't do gin Mm. gin for me like the just the 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 taste as soon as it hits hits my taste buds is yeah and and i don't i don't i don't have any reason for that i didn't have a bad experience with gin i've just never been able to like you know vodka's fine Tequila, I don't necessarily love, but there are right. now that we've gotten into like, you know, the like tequila's bourbon explosion where there's a lot of different uh varieties where you can find stuff that's a little, you know, like Cuervo's gross. If you're doing shots of Cuervo, you deserve what you get. <laughs> <laughs> what about Patron though? I like Patron like Patron White 
I, yeah. I, I enjoy. Um, I, I love Cabo Wabo, Sammy Hagar's, okay. if that's still a thing. Um, I haven't done tequila in a long time because I, I'm a 44-year-old man. Why am I just <laughs> sitting at my house taking shots of tequila? I'm a man. I'm 44. I'm, 40. I'm an idiot. I'm 40. <laughs> I love that we got you know to make one, that reference twice in one night. You know the one alcohol I love and don't get to drink enough? That Kelly and I, like when we were in our late 20s, early 30s, we used to sit around and just get wasted off of and like laugh and have the best time. Saki. Saki's fantastic. Warm crafts of sake poured in the little, like in a the craft poured in the little cups. Yep. Oh man, we used to like we had some of the best nights of our 20 plus years together, just like sitting around hammering sake and like laughing our asses off. I love sake. Sake bombs. Uh we did a um we did a hibachi a couple weeks ago, two months ago. Um and Kelly had a carafe of sake. And she was like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I done forgot how good this was. Go ahead, Brent. Sorry. You're good. Uh, mine randomly is is rum. It, it, it used to be Irish whiskey. But, like, going to Ireland and just pounding Irish whiskey and Guinness for a week and a half straight kind of made me like it. But uh, rum for me. <laughs> I don't know why rum. I just I just can't really do it. Don't love it. I don't um, I don't like Captain, but I like uh like uh some of the Jamaican, some of the Caribbean rums I like. Uh probably from going to the Caribbean and being down there and, and drinking it quite a bit. But like right. I, I don't I don't like rum's not at the top of my list. I don't hate it that but I don't I don't have that same like dude, when I take a drink of gin, I'm just like Bleh. <laughs> for, for me it would be like a shot of jameson with the boys because i've got a bunch of these irish friends and and they're all like like they just do it like it's nothing and and i used to like gag pretty bad but now it's it's gotten better now but still it's like rum for me somewhat i just can't really can't really do it <laughs> all right so the second part of that question for you guys uh, about the vegetables is there anything better than a potato no not even close no argument here. Cauliflower is trying to make a run for its money, but trying real can, hard. Nothing can ever beat a beat a potato. There's no doubt. All right, then we're all in, we're all in agreement there. Uh, and the last question in the mailbag: Even after the egregiously bad holding call on third and eight, and on the same play, blowing on an easily seen false start call on the Rams, we still had a chance to win if they called Donald offsides as he was not only lined up in the neutral zone his helmet was actually on our our side of the line of scrimmage make that call it's first and 10 on the rams 46 with 43 seconds left discuss those three calls non-calls first off i want to correct this entire question because the aaron donald lineup offsides was fourth down earlier in the game in the first quarter yeah first quarter it was first quarter uh so that was when they went for it right around the 50 yard line when honestly they probably could have probably it was the first time it was the first time that they used Samaje Pirine over Joe Mixon on third and one. Yuck. And then they went for it on fourth down. Uh, they did pass up. I it, it Probably, I don't think they could have got a field goal there, but they could have flipped field position um, and pinned the Rams back. And instead, 
they gave the Rams the ball right at midfield and the Rams went down and scored the first touchdown of the game. Uh, I would have played field position in that particular instance. Um, yeah, as he you, was probably in the neutral that, zone. As, as you say that McPherson was hitting 65 yarders before the game started. Okay. When, when is he at a 65 yarder in a game? That they just has they haven't put him in for it. Okay. I would have punted and pinned them inside the 10 and made them beat that defense that had come out hot. Um the 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 holding call on uh Wilson was awful. It was terrible. 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 Um uh, so just as bad though, I, as, as the no call on the T Higgins, Higgins face mask. Yeah. Grab. Like that's, that's again, that's, that stuff works itself out generally. Like <clears throat> I've had to answer this a, a bunch of times on Twitter and I, I don't think people understand. It is perfectly okay to talk about bad officiating, being bad officiating. But at the end of the day, you have to overcome it. Like, unless Unless it is a terrible, disastrous call on the final play of the game, and there's no like no recourse or no like ability to answer. Well, it's the human element is until there's robot umpires, the human element is part of the game. I, I think hate officials. I, I think it's terrible. My, that's my biggest issue with that. <laughs> Oh, that was a big cough right in your mic. You all right? Um, Easy boy. I'm good. I'm bad. <laughs> um, I think that my biggest issue with that entire play is the fact that there was false start on the entire offensive line. And it wasn't like you have a referee literally watching only the snap of the ball. And they somehow missed that, but got yeah. this holding call, which they hadn't called holding. Which he never hold. Where, he never where held. It was, where it was, a, I mean, there's an angle where he has like a, a handful of jersey on the other side, but that's neither here nor there, but you haven't called holding or you, you let the guys play physical the entire yeah. game. And then the last two minutes you decide that you're going to be a referee. Like that's my issue. Like it wasn't, there was no consistency with the rest of the entire 58 minutes oh, of the yeah. game. There was great consistency yeah. for 58 minutes. <laughs> no, you know I'm I'm, the, the two minutes. That I, I'm agreeing with you, Aaron. I'm yes. agreeing with you. Calm down. And that's okay. exactly what Tony Dungy said today. Yes. And Who never says anything. Right. No, I, I, and, can we, while we're on the topic of penalties and whatnot, can we just talk about Vernon Hargraves for a second? Get, I mean, like, I would have sent him to the locker room immediately. He would not have been on the sideline the rest of the What was that game. all about? Did, did you see the, the Coach B, the Mr. Go 30 Twitter account? No. It's my favorite account on Twitter right now. He does these, like, um, it's the coach sitting in the film room, <laughs> and he's the coach, and he's the players, and he's like, Peters. Coming on the field, you're what are you doing? And Peter's like, My bad, man. I'm sorry. He's like, What are you doing here? And he's like, You're a free agent. He's like, Well, I, I thought you might resign me. He's like, Get out, get out. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm not resigning you. The fuck out of here. What are you doing? What are you doing running on the field in shorts, a hoodie, and slides with socks? I saw somebody said the 15 yard penalty was for slides and socks on the field. <laughs> I mean, I'm an outcast guy, so flip-flop, socks, sweatpants, veneer, hands, your brain. I don't mind it. But what? 
what makes you think that's okay to do? No idea. Dumbest shit ever. Yes. Like you, you'll never play football again. Nobody's ever going to sign you again. You weren't even. You were healthy. Not healthy on scratch. the roster. Right. Healthy, scratch. healthy scratch. You were lucky to be there. And you cost your team that. Oh. Oh, you'll and, never like. I, I would never sign that. Dude. That drive too. Like it. Yeah. Like it just completely took any chance of of getting anything. Well, they off that remember drive. they got a first down. They got like fifteen yards, but that it only got them to the twenty-five. It was like a mix Imagine and run you, or something. Yeah, imagine if you start at the twenty, you get out to the 35, 37 yard line. All of a sudden, you know, you make a you make a play on first down, and now you're moving. Idiot. Like, and that was that could have been such a huge interception. Also, on the same question, they wanted to say PS Chase was running wide open for the winning touchdown. His defender had fallen, his defender being Jalen Ramsey. We know. Uh, we saw, if, we saw if, the picture. If Joe we gets have the another internet. If Joe gets another one second on the Donald play, we win. But yeah, yeah. we have the internet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the mailbag. <laughs> if, if you want, if you want more Bengals talk, I promise we'll be self-loathing tomorrow night on the part in the punctuation. I'm so, probably. I don't think I'll watch. I'm. I don't blame I'm you. Like, I don't even. Well, I'll be at the, oh are, yeah, are you, are be, you guys going after the game? It'll be post game. <laughs> yeah, usually those night like I I don't you guys are already like an hour and a half in by the time I get home and get settled and oh, we'll have I'll have to pop on. Well, I mean, just I can't to imagine wait for you to get done so we can do the nightcap. I'm I'm yeah, I imagine we'll we'll probably get the self-loathing Bengals talk out of the way first and just wrap the season with a bow. Yeah. Move on before we talk about um, spectacular season. Unless Cincinnati has a great win against Memphis, and maybe we have to lead with the Memphis win before we self-loathe <laughs> right. and go to www.depressionhurts.org. <laughs> Is that a real thing? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, of yeah. course, it's a real thing. Well, anything, uh, anything else, guys? Depression's very serious. Um, I do have one other thing. I know it's Valentine's Day, but today, uh, I know I kind of alluded to it earlier, uh, but my girlfriend and I have announced that we are going to have a baby. It will be my first, her third, and uh, it. I'm also going to be a girl dad. So there is that. Congratulations, you poor bastard. Aaron. You yep. poor bastard. You're so, going to get everything that's coming to you. So that's uh that's a big reason why I won't be in this apartment studio here downtown after uh, April first. I'll be permanently out in Athens. And that is not an April Fool's. No, it's not. Guess Kelsey had a delivery today. I, I was I, I was vaguely unaware of this. I think she hit me at a moment of weakness uh, when I was in the middle of working, and she was like, "Can I order this?" And it was like crawfish. Like 14, it was like fourteen dollars. I was eighteen dollars. I was. Yes, get out of here. I'm busy. Get out of here. And it came today, and it was a Travis Kelsey iPhone like phone Case. protector. Yeah. Kudos and to him for repping the 513 when he was asked who he was yeah. picking. Well, I, I mean, if the Bengals were playing the St. Louis Rams, I think they definitely would have won. <laughs> Kelsey, Kelsey was also very funny today. She was, she was, she was like, if they would have won, they were going to call off school today. I'm so mad. And I was like, you've been, you have been a Bengals fan for like 
five minutes. 16 hours. Like, you were a Bengals fan last night because the game was on. Didn't they already call off school? Uh, her school did not. Her school, uh, I guess, apparently was waiting to see if they won. Oh, man. And then they were going to call it off, like, after the right after the game. Uh, and they lost, so they were like, nah, fuck them kids. <laughs> Which I think actually is the right move, right? Like, look, there's consequences. Like, you, you want to cheer for your team? All right. You know, we're going to teach you kids at a young-ass age. There's consequences. And now your team had a heartbreaking loss. It's 10 o'clock at night, and you better get your ass to bed because the bell rings at 8.05 tomorrow morning. <laughs> like, that's how you do it, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, I, mean, I don't know. That's just me. I, I you know, I, I, I appreciate that line of like, look, if you invested and your team won, take tomorrow off. If you invested like and your team lost, get your ass up. The bus will be I coming like at seven thirty-five. Moving on. <laughs> oh man. Well, great Luke show, Fickle. boys. I loved it. Luke Fickle, the goat, the absolute goat. Big, uh, big thank you to Justin Williams. Fan of the BCJ coming on yet again. And a uh, big thank you to Danco Transmission and everything else who wants to join us, y'all. Join us, y'all. But uh, aside from that, big shout out and a big thank you to my pals, my partners in crime. That's right. Friday, Streamathon. Friday, Streamathon. Three big home New games. New to midnight. New to midnight. Three big home games for West Miller and the basketball team. Aside from that, this was yet again another great Bearcat Bounce podcast presented to you by BearcatJournal.com. See ya! And Danco Transmission.